What's up? My name is Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're on the season two finale. Season two, (laughs) episode 27, entitled Losing My Religion, which was originally sung by R.E.M. Original air date, May 15th, 2006. Written by Shonda Rhimes, directed by Mark Tinker, and it had 22.5 million viewers, which is the same as 226, because it premiered the same night, yeah, which was down from 225, sadly. Which brings the question, where's P. Horton? P. Horton? Yeah, where's P. Horton? I don't know. I can't really say that Mark did a bad job, though. Well, no. But where is he? I miss him. P. Horton? Yeah. P. Horton, our sensei. Yes. I have no follow-up. Same. All right. So, opening. Go for it. I really like how this episode is solely pretty much all about the interns. We don't really have too much medicine or even, like, patients, you know? Like, because really the two patients that matter are Burke and Denny, who, like, are kind of almost like main characters of this. I mean, Burke is a main character, but like basically main characters. And then Camille, who is solely there for the purpose of having a prom. <laughs> she doesn't really matter. True. It's pretty much just a continuation of last episode because, you know, it's a two part finale. Uh, this episode is such an emotional roller coaster. Like, I feel like I cried so much. Like, and just when I'd be like, all right, like, I'm, I'm done crying, something else would happen. I'd be like, damn it. Like, oh, it was crazy. Did you actually cry? Like, watching it this last time? As I didn't think I was going to, and then when Chasing Cars started, I was like... <laughs> Deep breaths. It's like, keep it in, hold it together. But, yeah. yeah. Which, that being said, the closing sequence with the song Chasing Cars is quite honestly, I think, one of my favorite scenes or collection of scenes mm-hmm. in any TV show or movie. The amount of emotion that the actors and actresses were able to do is amazing. Katherine Heigl kills this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I cannot hear this song without thinking of Denny dying and just thinking about this whole thing. It's, it's crazy. I know. And you know, I always wonder, like, do you think the people watching it in 2006, watching a moment that later became infamous and iconic, do you think it was iconic the first time they watched it in 2006. I don't know if iconic, but I feel like they had to understand, like, the weight of this and be like, holy crap, that was... Yeah, this this script is uh, considerably shorter than most, like, ten pages shorter. It's kind of interesting. I think that speaks to what every actor is able to do in between the lines of dialogue in this episode. Mm-hmm. And also, no Callie or Finn in last episode... Which was um, kind of follow-up that we should... Yeah, do. yeah, probably should have said that. But there was no Callie and Finn in last episode. Um, so I feel like that's probably why it was so refreshing, in a way. Because it was, like, going back to the season one episode... Or season two episode one cast, you know? Besides Erica Han. Well, yeah, Han for, like, two scenes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. This is probably the most iconic episode of Grey's Anatomy, I would say. Of, I yeah. feel like... Even casual fans or people that were just alive in 2006 probably know 
that like that shot of Izzy in the pink dress on the bed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty sure everyone knew what that was and can it's, tell you something about that episode. It. I feel like when like if you were talking about Grey's Anatomy, even to just a casual fan, there were or maybe like maybe three episodes that I would bring up and they would know and this would 100% be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Or and like moments. That the first few notes of chasing cars, the weight of that scene hits you like a ton of bricks. And that was the moment when I was like like the whole rest of the episode I was like I, it's fine you know like I know what's coming mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it is it's those opening notes that you're just like yeah, it's and it, it gets you every time. Like even though you know it's coming and you've heard the song ten million times, it's something about like those few opening notes from that guitar, and you're like, you picked the perfect song for this. It's yeah, no other song could have tugged at the emotions. And like what? That. Because it starts playing right when um Alex is talking to Izzy. Mm. The two characters that they chose, like the two actors that they chose to deliver those lines, like, both of them did an amazing job. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so, this is an extended episode, but there was no commentary. Mm-hmm. And if there is, I looked like hell to try to find it, and I could not, so I apologize. But there are some extended scenes. Also, there's a lot of good stuff in the Grey Matter blog here. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be reading a lot of that. And it's written by Shonda. Awesome. So this is a quote from the Grey Matter blog. I named this episode Losing My Religion because, to me, that is what happens to each intern in this episode. Each intern lets go of things they've held on to all season. George lets go of loving Meredith. Christina lets go of her well-checked emotions. Izzy is forced to let go of her idealism. And that leads to her letting go of medicine. Alex lets go of his rage against Izzy and Meredith. Well, Meredith just lets go. Which is so true. So well said. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, awesome. I've got nothing better to say than that. So there's no opening speech or closing speech. First episode did not have either. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. So the last time we heard a voiceover was the beginning of 226. Mm-hmm. And I kind of liked the no speech in the beginning to me that made makes, sense yeah. because it, it was the two part. And so you're like, well, if it's a continuous, epi- like it makes mm, sense. Yeah. And at the end, I feel like anything that they could have said would have detracted from what was happening on screen. So, well, that's, I love the fact that like some of the last things you hear is like Izzy's whole like, and I quit. And then you hear like the two of like Meredith, like yeah, that whole thing. And then you just like end on like all the facial reactions and it's just, well, it's, like, al- it's also kind of the show saying everything has changed forever. See? We're not even doing what we normally do. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, I feel like anything they could have said about that would be... Like, what are you going to say about all that stuff? Like, Well, the whole point is that you don't want to say anything. You want people to come back for more. Mm-hmm. Right? So, which, it works. Oh, hell yeah, it did. Um, so, this is similar to the bomb episode in that it's... One big story for two episodes, but we have a writer-director switch for part two. I felt like it was pretty seamless. I didn't even notice much of a vibe change or anything. Not really. Which is also, I think, amazing, the fact with... Because every episode, you know, you have a different writer-director. And, I mean, for most of it, they do it very well. Like, Mm -hmm. 
you know, there's subtle, I think, little things that if you really looked into it, you could find. Yeah, you're like, that's a Shonda episode. With it, but, like, in ter- I mean, like, you're not going up this episode and you're being like, oh my god, this is a different writer. Like, it's it's very seamless. Mm-hmm. They do a really good job of that. Yeah, so we start exactly where we left off. We're in Burke's OR first, and he's able to move his hand a little bit, but Christina just, like, kind of stares at him and walks away. Mm-hmm. And then we cut over to Denny's OR, where... Dr. Han is waiting for um, his heart to just start beating again. And here in the beginning of the episode, there are so many tiny little lines that were edited out, and that's part of the extended version. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, like, when his heart starts beating, Han says, and that's how we raise the dead in Erica Land, which, first of all, I hate that line. And then Bailey goes, good job, Denny. And then Alex looks up and sees that Izzy is gone. And then the normal episode, the normal stuff yeah. continues. I, I I could have done without the Erica Land line because barf, but I didn't realize that Alex looking up at Izzy was extended, and I felt very strongly about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I feel like you get the whole Erica Land, whatever. Like, it's like, oh my god, yeah. that's terrible. I love that little, like, part where he, like, Alex looks up and Izzy's gone. Yeah. Because it's these kind of almost little subtleties that they're showing, like, earlier in the episode that makes sense as to why he, like, comes to her aid, like, later. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, he hates her, but he's still, like, looking up to see, like, if she's there and, like, checking on her. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine Heigl played that, that, like... When you first see her, you think, no, she didn't She didn't see that Denny's fine. And then she smiles, like a smile breaks through. And I was like, oh, Katie, mm-hmm. you're amazing. I also, like, halfway wonder if part of that's, like, also her realizing how much damage she caused and how he almost didn't pull through, like, because of her. Do you think she's starting to, like, kind of realize, like, the real damage of what she did, or no? I think she's known all along the damage that she did. I just don't think she cares. Mm-hmm. I mean, she says that much later. What I saw in that face was, thank God. Mm-hmm. Not anything like, I, f- I like, feel what guilty. what have I done, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I didn't see mm-hmm. any of that. Okay. And then there's a shot where Burke is being wheeled out of surgery. Christina watches him get wheeled by. Derek comes out of the OR and sits down at the nurse's station. And when he kind of, like, looks up and over to his side, because he's leaning back in this chair, and Meredith is just sitting on the floor like a stone-cold killer. And Mm -hmm. she's just staring at him like he's her next sacrifice. (laughs) You're next. (laughs) I love it, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot believe that was extended, too. Like, little moments like that Mm -hmm. where it's like, yes, it didn't add to the story, but it added to... The emotion. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what this episode does really well is, like you said in the beginning, like, this, the script is shorter, mm-hmm. but because they had so many of these kind of scenes where it was just, you know, no one's saying anything, but it's, like, looks and all that stuff, but that is almost, almost more effective than dialogue, I feel like, in some of the cases. Mm-hmm. Then we get, like, the full, I think the only full extended scene. Mm-hmm. And this is what we were talking about last episode, how you said that, like, Camille's mother was never introduced. If you didn't watch the extended version, you're right. But I've always watched the extended version. I've never seen... So I was like, of course they do. They introduce her next episode. And that's what this scene is. 
Adele's sister is in town. I hate that woman. So now we get to put a face to the hated sister. Does she actually ever talk, though? I don't think. I don't know, because it starts with... um, No, it doesn't. She doesn't talk. With Addison and the chief. Yeah, I guess it's the whole scene is just Addison and the chief talking outside of Camille's hospital room. Do you want to read all this, or do you... Not really. It's it's literally just medical. I mean... It's basically, they're saying that... She's gonna die. Yeah. Like, that's honestly... Like, there's nothing else that's really important about this scene. Yeah. And then the chief goes, I'm gonna go deal with this Denny Duquette situation. And Addison says, okay. Like, she knows what the heck that means. Are we actually saying... Yes. That news in Seattle Grace travels that fast? Like, yes. everyone has already heard about Denny, even though it happened probably, like, four hours yes. ago. You know for a fact that this has already been spread through the hospital. Like, this hospital is literally known for people talking about super private things in very public places very loudly. Like, Hashtag 100%, Addison. 100% everyone knows. Like, the chief was probably one of the last people to find out about this. Like, That's true. There's, like, people in the vents yeah. at this hospital, which the news crews already probably know. <laughs> Thank God that somebody set it up. You know, okay. way back in 109 and 207. That just everyone saying. talks about everything. Yeah, just saying. I mean, yeah. Animals knew before the chief. Dogs knew before the chief. So, Eskimo speaking man. of the chief, we cut over to his office. Mm-hmm. Would you like to have an office that's mostly windows? I would hate that. Because I would feel like people are always looking in Watching to see me? what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because his desk, like, faces the only solid wall so people could come up behind you yeah that would be creepy and like see what you're doing on your computer computer that's i don't like also like the decorations in his office like what the hell is he going for i don't know like like they went all out for these rhino thing on his desk that's like arguably like massive like why is it so big (laughs) (laughs) like yeah exactly it's like this figurine but like way bigger than a figurine like probably like loaf of bread size maybe even bigger and then he has like a ton of the little like circle drawings he has like a a totem pole thing like behind him he's got this creepy ass mask that yeah that's hanging on the wall yeah i mean what he does have a really weird totem pole I don't know. He's got some weird things. Also, I like the subtleties. Like, they're already kind of setting it up. Like, in this scene, you have four of the interns who are still in their scrubs. Mm-hmm. And then you have Izzy, yeah. who's in plain clothes. Yeah, and that is actually going to be called back to at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I just like this Alex. I didn't do anything. I'm totally innocent. Alex, what... I wasn't even there. He knows I wasn't there. What do you think? He doesn't know that? The guy's not mentally challenged. That's not the point. What about loyalty? We made an agreement. And she was just like, these people. But this is another example of Grey's Anatomy poking fun at this trope. This is another overdramatic moment, which could have just been super overdramatic and like, oh my god. But then Grey's Anatomy decided to poke fun at it. <laughs> I, did. I also love how... who. Oh, George, like, has to nudge Christina in order for her to, like, become... Like, it kind of pauses. She's like, fine, I did it. And she's like, yeah, okay, fine, I did it. And the chief is just like, we all know you're lying, Christina. Like, stop. So Izzy almost admits it. And then Meredith is like, shut your mouth. And she goes, you have your suspicions, but you don't actually know. Meredith is like, shut up or I will murder you right here. Yeah. (laughs) I'll throw you out this window. 
And even when Izzy starts to confess, they cover for her. I mean, like, how do you not love mm-hmm. the loyalty? You feel the love. Feeling the love. Mm-hmm. That she- well, it's also, they're all blatantly, like, lying oh, to yeah. him. Which is huge. Like, they're all just standing up to his authority and being like, you know what? Like, yeah, you're the boss of us, but, like, intern OTP all the way, man. Mm-hmm. And I love this. I love how they just get Camille as a patient. Because this is, I think, the quintessential example of Yes, this show is set in a hospital. Yes, they're doctors, and yes, they're excited about surgeries, and we like to watch when our characters are excited about something because that gets us excited, but that doesn't mean that the audience cares about the surgeries. The audience cares about how the patients affect the main characters, and this is the quintessential example. She is a very satisfying character, that they never even get close to treating medically. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Yeah. You know? So then we get, we get a short kind of extended thing. Like, they have a couple lines. George goes, wow, he didn't say we were fired. And then Christina, he might as well have no surgeries. Meredith, that wasn't bad. We got off easy. Yeah, for now. You think this is over? George. And then George goes, I could really use a coma right now. A nice long coma. <laughs> And Christina, this is awesome. You know, there's only been three careers I've ever wanted. Ruler of my own planet, Wonder Woman, or a surgeon. And I don't see any invisible planes or extra countries lying around. Mm-hmm. And then it goes right back into the Izzy, I will go back and tell him, I will tell him it was me. And then, yeah. so it continues on with the episode. And Alec, like, there's another little part. Like, they just cut out one line of, like, a two-line yeah. part where he goes, this is crap, I'm turning her in. What? You were the one that said we had to stand by Izzy, but now I get stuck catering to some VIP chick patient? I don't think so. And that was, like, the only extended part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we read this? So Izzy goes, Alex, I am sorry, and I really do appreciate what you did for Denny. Oh, shut up. Look, the only reason I lied to Burke is because I wanted in on that transplant surgery. I don't care about Denny, and I hope you get thrown out on your ass. And Christina, hey, we stick together. You know, we all did this. Nobody's a victim. We we stick together. And then <laughs> Izzy and Meredith's face faces are priceless. And Christina, damn it. Izzy, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so perfect can we all just appreciate that like even christina is like full-on like she's not like the captain of the like intern otp ship like don't tell that to meredith meredith wants to be captain i am the captain now well yeah she's like the chief like commander or whatever but like christina's full-on like i am driving the boat now like let's go exactly so then bailey rolls up with her bitches natalie and claire flanking her like they're literally like in a triad formation and i'm sorry but like Camille's two friends are still terrifying. I hate them. <laughs> I have, I love this idea, though. Like The prom in the hospital. Yes. I'm so glad this was planned from the beginning of season two. I also just love two. girls. Who exactly is Camille Travis? <laughs> They're literally like, she's like, these are my bitches. Like, yeah. That's what this dialogue is. And girls, what does the chief of surgery's niece want exactly? <laughs> like a prom. Again, teenagers don't talk like this, but whatever. It's like, we need a theme. Theme. (laughs) Like, George is just like, what? George and Alex with these girls, perfect. But we cut over to Christina and Meredith, and even though they just were told to do tons of stuff, they have decided instead they're going to stand and talk. Oh, yeah. And so Christina goes, I didn't like teenage girls when I was a teenage girl. 
<laughs> Meredith, I wore a lot of black. Oh. Like, the image of Meredith as, like, an emo goth teenager. Wow. wow. In my wildest dreams, this is where Don't- every one of my fanfiction <laughs> begins. Flashback episode of her being, like... <laughs> She has, like, a dog collar or something. Like, all these piercings. She, like, cut her tongue in half and it's like, <laughs> like, moving each side. And she's Ellis like, what's like- up, Derek? <laughs> <laughs> Ellis is, like, holding her leash. <laughs> Punish me. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, my God. I would love that. And then Meredith goes, I had the whole angry pink hair thing going on. Wouldn't have been caught dead at prom. And I'm like, Meredith had angry pink hair. Like, good God. I need to see that more than I need my next heartbeat. (laughs) And then Christina, my mother made me go. They barfed on my dress and then tried to fill me up. <laughs> Which then led to me like murdering him and stuffing him in a dumpster. <laughs> like that's totally where that line was going. Oh my god! Do you think Christina and Meredith would have been friends in high school? No, I don't either. Which is like another kind of cool thing because it's like you mm-hmm. change, you evolve as a person, mm-hmm. and like friends that you would have like. I feel like making friends is a lot about timing. Yeah. And then here's another extended part, which. If I, I think if I could add any extended part, it would be this. Meredith goes, there is a lot to be said for being an adult. Yeah. You haven't mentioned Burke. No. Well, have you checked on him? No. Okay. I could try harder to make you open up and share and deal with the perk thing, or I could be neurotic and selfish and talk about me and my problems, which would be more supportive right now. (laughs) Which, like... What more Meredith thing could she have said? That is the most Meredith Grey thing, I think. She, like, she... It, you know, she owns it. At least she knows that she is a monster. <laughs> Selfish and neurotic, please. And Meredith is like, done. And she goes, hmm. Finn says Doc's in pain. And Derek and I have to talk about whether we want to put him to sleep or not, which is... And Finn thinks there's something going on between me and Derek, which there is not. There so clearly is not. And Addison having that whole meltdown? Ugh. I mean, dogs get sick and we're expected to put them to sleep. People get sick. We don't put them down. We don't just give up on people. There is nothing going on between me and Derek. There is a lot to be said for being an adult. Yeah. And this is a great scene because they walk over to, like, these chairs in the waiting room and they both put their feet up and they both put their hands behind their head. And it's just hilarious because Bailey, like, literally just gave them so much to do and they're like, no. And just, like, (laughs) are sitting in the waiting room. The chief also just basically told them, like, you have to do this or, like, you're getting kicked out of the program. And they were just like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Instead, I'm going to be selfish and neurotic because I'm Meredith. That is, and you know for a fact too. Like the chief probably walked by them sitting there and was probably like, Ugh, "Like I can't do anything about these two. <laughs> like Meredith just like glares at him. Like Ugh. I love how we learn about like in season two. I think we've learned about a ton of people's high school. So Christina, it was pretty much the same. Yeah, <laughs> Meredith was a pink-haired gothic monster, which completely checks out. Which also can we say like I think Meredith has changed the most. Like she's still the monster, but like ex external appearance has changed the most. Yeah. Now, like, she used to exude what her internal, you know, feelings are. Now she hides it very well, like a true sociopath. Finn, 
was the prom king. Which totally checks out. He could still be a prom king. Yeah. George was the treasurer of the Dungeons and Dragons Club. Which he would probably be the president now. (laughs) Izzy was the pregnant 16-year-old. I can see that. And Alex was the, like, bad boy jock wrestler. Checks out. And we'll learn something about Derek in season four. And Bailey in season four. Interesting. And also, you may have noticed, based on what I just said about those five interns, that their qualities resemble a somewhat very famous 80s movie, which we'll be talking about a little bit later. So the next scene, Izzy comes into Denny's room. Denny's sitting up. You know, he just had surgery. And Izzy goes, this is extended, actually. Izzy goes, is Bailey around? No, she was in here earlier. Said she'd be back in a couple hours. The coast is clear. And then they go into their normal um, scene. And they're so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. Although I kind of, I was kind, I was a little disappointed in Izzy in this scene because, you know, she's like, "I'm giving you an out." I mean, you thought you were dying, and I was saving your life, and you know, everything was so, so I won't hold it against you or be hurt or offended if you want to take back your proposal. I'm giving you an out, and then he goes, "I don't want an out," and then she says, "You should take the out like that," and I'm like, "Hmm," you know, like I don't know. That seemed a little bit out of character for Izzy. Am I the only one here? I don't know. I feel like at first, like, the first line, like, the whole, like, I won't hold it against you. Like, I feel like that was. But then when she goes, like, you should take the out. Like, that was, that yeah. was I think, what got it. Because, you know, because, like, I could totally see Izzy doing, like, the whole, like, no, I'm giving you an out. Like, I'm being nice. Like, whatever. But I still really want it to be real. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I think that, like, you should take the out is, like, not. Yeah, that kind of, that kind of disappointed me although honestly like it only takes like two or three more scenes and then she's right back in my good graces so mm-hmm. yeah and denny gives this super long speech and just, he's just like i choose you and i'm like oh it's swoon Ugh. i know and you know what jeffrey dean morgan i swear like he can take this super cheesy speech and make it into something that doesn't sound cheesy you know what i mean so that's impressive And we finally get the title card. All of this happened before the title card. Which is insane. And she runs out of the room here. Just like Christina and Izzy were talking about last episode. Mm -hmm. Like how they said a sane person would run. And then Izzy goes, I'd rather be running towards somebody. But then she runs away. I don't know. I feel like half of this is also maybe her like still being kind of like on edge after like talking to the chief and being like, I'm now getting all my friends in trouble. Like... Anyways. So, now we get Bailey and the Chief, and basically, here's the breakdown. The Chief cannot break intern OTP, and Bailey is realizing that she's created a monster. And Bailey's just kind of like, yeah, I know. I'm not gonna help you. She's just like, they are an unbreakable, like, diamond. No saw can cut it. And then I just like, I will break them. And Bailey's like, okay. Yeah, she goes, all right. <laughs> like, and then... I like the, I'm going to the prom. If I have to go, everybody has to go. Everybody goes to the prom. Everybody. <laughs> and she's like, what? I'm a grown woman. So now let's cut over to Natalie and Claire. Which is fine. I love the fact that, like, of all of the interns, like, there were five of them. And they were like, you know who should sit down with Natalie and Claire and come up with a theme? George and Alex. So that's the whole point. They picked the people that would be the Although, most. granted, could you imagine Meredith and Christina <laughs> That would be amazing. Meredith would do that thing where she channels the I don't give a shit about anybody but me face. 
In a way, I feel like they would be just as effective as George and Alex. Mm-hmm. But, like, realistically, like, when they're going through this scene, like, if Bailey was like, all right, now who should sit down with these girls to pick a theme? Izzy should have been number one. <laughs> I know, but I feel like she Maybe, did it on purpose. Probably, like, Izzy and George would be, like, my top two, I think. <laughs> but I just laugh. <laughs> then Alex, like, starts moaning, are you having a seizure? <laughs> Will that get me out of here? Fine, let's go with seizure. Because seizure beats the hell out of a 45-minute conversation about what color balloons we're going to buy. For the love of God, you people need to get a light. And I love George. Chief sneeze. Chief sneeze. <laughs> and then Claire and Natalie start psychoanalyzing him and, like, nail it. Oh, They're okay. just like, the hot ones are always mean. It's like a rule or something. And then this is extended. He goes, Natalie goes, doesn't he remind you of Nate Sims? Totally. He's totally Nate. You're Nate. These names. And Alex, no, I am not Nate. (laughs) Don't engage. George, don't engage. (laughs) Nate broke up with Camille the first time she had cancer. And and then Claire goes, that's the other thing about the hot ones. They're usually cowards, which, yep. (laughs) Yep. I mean, I like that they included this here because Alex has been a coward for a long time and he kind of finally overcomes that at the end of this episode which i kind of like like i don't know because now it's not only like the people that know him that's calling him out it's like a stranger who doesn't know him yeah because it's so obvious Mm -hmm. you know and then natalie is soups annoying in this line but i like this this is the only line that i feel like kind of does dive into the teenage um, psyche psyche a little bit because she goes don't you dare try to judge us for trying to make our friend who just happens to be dying of cancer happy. It was that part. Yeah. The color does matter. Maybe not to you, but it does matter. And honestly, I think it would completely cut out the annoyingness if they just have cut out the, like, who happens to be dying of cancer. Like, yeah. if she had just said, don't you dare try to judge us for trying to make our friend happy. Yeah, Like, exactly. the annoying level goes down. Like, it's just that, like, who just happens to be... And you're like, shut up, Natalie. I mean, we're barely not teenagers, but, like, I'm still able to look back and be like, in high school, that, that like, trivial stuff matters so much. Matters so much. You know what I... Yeah, and it's like, you realize, like, you took yourself way too seriously back then. It's almost laughable. You know, yeah. like, just, like... Well, or, the, like, the stuff that you, like, thought was super important then. It's, like, it doesn't matter, like, like this. Like, if you were, like, in prom or whatever, and you are like, the balloons matter so much. But, like, when you look back, like, ten years from now, it doesn't matter, like, what mm-hmm. color all this stuff was. And, like... But that hit me, because there are some stuff that I took so seriously in high school, and now I look back on it, and I'm like, I should have just relaxed a little bit. and like more fun, yeah. Yeah. No regrets, yo. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my... This... Is probably my top Alex moment of, like, the show. Like, so I'm gonna read it. They walk up to Bailey. The problem is the colors and the balloons and the under the sea. No, it's Titanic. Hey, let's go with tears in heaven. No, it's too morbid. It should be pink. It should be red. It should be a freaking rainbow. (laughs) Justin Chambers, like, delivering that line was reason enough to cast him as Alex in the show. Just for that one line. And then I love, what he's saying is that we're very, very hopeful that you speak teenage girl, which also, I love how they go to Bailey, who's basically like the mother, instead of like, like again, Izzy, like, my first person. Izzy doesn't give a shit. Like, her face when Natalie and Claire were talking were like, these bitches, I need to destroy them. From what I know in season four, though, Izzy does have some resentment towards those type of girls. That's fair. In high school. So I wonder if maybe that's why she didn't, like, step up and say, like, oh. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's do this together. Because maybe. Izzy 
had a hard time in in high school. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. that. Huh. I always thought she was just like me. I would ever. Denny's more important. Well, so true though. Like <laughs> she was like, I don't care. So Bailey dispatches them. Bailey just is like, this is what we're doing, and they're like, oh my god, that's so perfect. And I feel like George and Alex are just like, why the hell didn't we say that? Like <laughs> Alex, the it should be pink. It should be red. It should be a freaking rainbow. <laughs> so oh my god, here we go, and. Our little vacation from Callie is over, unfortunately. And this is actually an extended scene. So Izzy and George are, like, in an on-call room, I think. Just, like, filling up balloons, which I loved. Alex is there, too. Uh, yeah, Alex was oh. there very briefly in the beginning. You're right. He isn't in the in the TV version, but in the extended one, he oh, is Oh, you have there. it all in green. Yeah, in the extended one, he is there when the scene starts. But in the TV version, he's not. So basically, there's just, like... At first, when the like scene starts, George is just being like, look at all these surgeries. And Izzy apologizes, and Alex just goes, stop saying you're sorry when you're not. You make me sick. Which brings the question. Do you think Izzy's really sorry? Like, I think... And we kind of get more of this a little bit later. I personally think she's sorry about the fact that they are taking a lot of the blame. Mm-hmm. Like, I think she's sorry that they're kind of going down with her. But I don't think she's at all sorry that she actually did it. But if she's... I think his point is, is that if she was, like, really, truly, like, sorry that they went down with her, she would just go to the chief, you know? She's, Mm -hmm. like, sorry, but not sorry enough. Yet. Yet. Read in between the lines is that she still has something to lose. She has not hit rock bottom yet, you know? She still has a reason to be hopeful for the future. And so Alex leaves, and... The mother of all destruction walks in, and no, it's not the good destruction in Meredith. It's the terrible, <laughs> disgusting-haired monster, Callie. And she goes, hey, can we talk? And I love how Izzy's just kind of, like, leaning over, <laughs> like, listening. It reminded me of the Grey's Anatomy spoof, where they're all just like, <laughs> you disgusting oh, man. man, baby. <laughs> you never called, What? <laughs> Is he just, like, leaning over listening? Oh, my God, I love it. And um, she goes, we had plans, and you went off with Izzy, and you never called. You said you would. Yeah, a lot of stuff went down last night. Yeah, I know, I heard. Everybody heard, LOL. So what exactly happened? I'm like, Callie, don't put him in that position. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. Because you know she's just trying to test. She's, like, testing him Mm -hmm. at this point. Which, like, I don't know. I feel like part of me feels like she doesn't have, like, a right or a point to be mad here. But that might also solely be because, like, I hate Callie. Retweet. (laughs) Um, um, But she, like, still doesn't get internal. But also, like, if you were involved in something super secretive, which, like, I feel like the whole entire hospital is, like, like, what rumor do you think is going around the hospital? Do you think it's just, like, the interns, like, cut his elbow? Or do you think they actually are, like... So, is he cut the elbow? <laughs> like... I... Like, if I had to pinpoint what the rumor is... Rumors are basically built on speculation. So, so it's probably just, like, the interns cut the elbow or whatever. Yeah. And see, like, that would... I feel like... What he should have said at that has been, like... So, like, so what exactly happened? Like, his elbow was cut. I just don't, I don't know. Like that's what I would have said, and then if she was like, "Bold by Halo," and he'd be like, "Well, I can't talk about that." I wouldn't have said anything. I would have done exactly what George did, or and something. he said it gently and nicely. He goes, "Look, I can't talk about it." You know. Mm-hmm. 
And then she's like, I'm not going to tell George. It's me. And she's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, that's why she can't tell you because you weren't in that room. But it's also like the more people you tell, the more chance it is. Like, again, it's this hospital. The walls are probably listening and are probably going to tell someone. Well, and it's, it's also like Callie takes this as him choosing Izzy over her, which it's not what's happening. That's like false equivalency here. He's choosing like his own safety. Like this is more than just Izzy. And I think Callie has such a blind spot for Izzy that she can't like if Izzy's associated with it, it must be that Izzy's twisting him, you know? And it's like, no, if Meredith did it, George would do the same thing. Debatably, if Christina did it, George would defend her. Debatably. Yeah. I just, like, and then she's like, yeah, okay, I get it. And I was just like, Kelly, she just, I think it's just a theme of her whole story arc as a character that she never comprehends intern OTP. Mm-hmm. And if she just understood it, well, and I, think, I would have no problems with her. And I think what you just said is why she doesn't get it is because I think whenever something happens that's, like, this intern OTP, she automatically, like, has that blinder of, like, Izzy's manipulating him mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it's not, no matter how many times he tries to convince her, like, that they're a family and that's why they're kind of doing this, I feel like she has this, like, automatic response to, like, when anything happens to George and whenever he can't tell her anything, it's all Izzy's fault and she's being this horrible person and blah, blah, whatever. Which, like, in a way, you're like, how can she not like Izzy? But then also, like, you think about what happens in the future and you're kind of like, well, I, I mean, I can see how she could not like Izzy, but the problem is, is the way she goes about it. Like, there are two ways to deal with this situation. You can either be Callie and go up against Izzy, or you can try to, like, partner up with Izzy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you're either against her or you're with her. And personally, like, if you if you take a shot at the at the queen, you best not miss, because Izzy will destroy you at your own game. Like, that's what's scary about Izzy, is that, like, you, don't miss, you know what I mean? You start a fight with Izzy, I mean, and that's why I feel such a kinship to her. Because, like, I feel like I deal with situations the exact same way. (laughs) And then I love George, like, goes back, and Izzy's like, so tell me all about what she said. And George's like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I know, it's so cute. I love George and Izzy. And Izzy goes, what was that about? (laughs) I, like, everything she says, ugh love and he's just like she said she loved me and then Izzy's like oh oh <laughs> exactly oh cool P-Hort was the executive producer on this episode there he is P-Hort the sensei P-Hort our sensei <laughs> and then I love so Meredith like runs into Finn mm-hmm. and like literally like, and she's like awkwardly like holding catering menus <laughs> I know like on the front of this catering menu is just like a loaf of bread too did you see that it's just like a giant piece of bread yeah you're like cool um (laughs) you know we should have at our prom just a loaf of bread (laughs) oh my god i want like meredith to like pop out of a cake now um so meredith runs into finn and finn's like i've been calling your cell all night so he came to the hospital like this is a giant hospital like was he gonna go to a nurse's station or something and like like can you page dr gray like 
His his reasoning seems weird. Whatever. Um, it's just it's a TV show. It happens. So she invites him to the prom, and he's like super into it. He's like, no, I'm in. I loved prom. I mean, I don't want to brag or anything, but I was crowned king. And then she says what we were all thinking. You were that kid in high school. Also, like, don't ever brag about that because that's not a brag. Well, it's like maybe like a brag, you know, like the year after or something. But like when you're like an adult, like are you like late 20s or whatever to be like, yeah, I I was prom king. Everyone's like. Everyone's like, ew. Okay. And then I love, like, nothing. It's very cute, actually. <laughs> and then they're like, hello, hi. It's cute. And then they, like, does he kiss her on the cheek here? I think he does. I remember. What are you doing here? Doc had some seizures last night. Pretty serious. The cancer spread to his brain. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which, two things. He kisses her, they're super happy together, and then he tells her that Doc is doing even worse. <laughs> and it's spread to his brain, guys. Like, come on. They're they're making it pretty obvious right now. We just need, like, Doc to, like, pull out, like, a sign to just be like, I'm a representation. <laughs> I am a metaphorical representation of <laughs> Meredith. Like, he's just, like, on the operating table and Finn's, like, gotta operate. And he just, like, whips out this, like, And he's like, hello, sign. Meredith. Doc and Meredith have, like, a secret language. So then we get this, like, kind of weird scene with, like, Addison and Derek. And the song playing is Under the Waves by Pete Drogue. And I just... I, I just, like this scene, though. Yeah, Addison, I don't want to talk about it. All right. <laughs> and then, like, we're trying. We In are. In front of the surgical board. We are trying. We're trying. Um, and she says this line. I was jealous when there was no need to be, Right. And he looks, he can't even look her in the eye. And he doesn't answer it. And he can't lie to her face because he's too decent and honorable to lie. And then he's just like, will you go to prom with me? And she's like, oh, yay. I just love that Addison. And then she's all worried. She's like, what? Will you go to prom with me? And then they smile at each other and it's adorbs. Like, swear. And I feel like when it first happens, you're like, oh, this is so cute. They're good. But then you're like, he didn't answer that question. Like, and also like. I don't want them to be together. You know what I mean? Where and it's also, just like, we just heard that Doc is having seizures and his cancer spread to his brain. Mm-hmm. So Brain. So, now, guys, this is quite possibly the best decision that this finale made. I they spend this. nearly ten minutes just on our five interns having monologues. Like, this is the holy grail for this podcast. I also love the fact that, like, I feel like all four, like, four of the interns kind of reveal, like, these deep things about themselves, and Meredith uses, like, the one thing that she's like, I know how I can get us out of this, guys, and they're like, what? And she just goes in and it's like, chief, you slept with my (laughs) my mother, and the chief's like, you're free to go. (laughs) Yeah, the chief is like, (laughs) Meredith is like, I'm going for the jugular, but anyway, we'll get there when we get there. So it starts with Alex, and... Why don't you read this little quote from Shonda? All right. So this was something we'd never done and I wasn't sure would work. But you place those pages into the hands of the actors and each and every one of them layered their character souls right into the dialogue. Those monologues all grouped together in one act. Tell us more about our characters than we have maybe learned all year. And they speak to the heart of why Alex, Izzy, George, Christina, and Meredith are the way they are. They also tell you how this episode is going to end. If you were really listening, everything was there. Which is brilliant. 
They tell you how the episode's going to end. I mean, it does. Fantastic. Honestly, I think if I could take any concept from this episode and apply it to different TV shows, I would want to see something more like this in other TV shows. This concept is just, it's so simple, yet name another show that's done this. Mm-hmm. Given people well, monologues. Because, I mean, like, they're not, they're not super long, you know, um, mm-hmm. in a way. But I feel like you get so, like she said, you get so much information yeah. about them. Um, and a lot of them talk about their past and that kind of stuff. Um, and if magic is one person, like all their personalities combined into one, I mean, think about the implications there. Like, what that means. Different aspects of your personality deal with different things. Like, oh, okay, so here we go. We're going to read all of these. Alex is the first one. And even the order, I wonder if that matters. Obviously, they saved Meredith for last on purpose, but I don't know. So Alex goes, I went to college on a wrestling scholarship. I played baseball, some basketball, but, you know, we'll go with football. What the hell does football have to do with who got the outfit? Which is fantastic, but whatever. Let's say you were drafted to a team that wasn't your first pick. You know, you, you don't like the players. You hate the way they play the game. You even think the quarterback is full of crap. Now, the quarterback's a pain in the ass that you don't owe a damn thing to, but it's your team. You don't quit. You don't talk to the press. You don't bitch to the coach. You just you just go out there every Sunday, and you make the blocks, and you take the hits, and you play to win. You show up, and you suit up, and you play. Because it's your freaking team. Which is such an amazing analogy for intern OTP and where Alex stands with them. Because mm-hmm. he's literally saying, like, I don't agree with them. I don't agree what happened with what happened. I hate Izzy. And I have, like, I don't owe her anything. So who's the quarterback then? Because I, my gut was Meredith. But is it Izzy? I think in his analogy, I think it's Izzy. Okay. Because he's like, because I think the thing that he mentions and he's like, the quarterback's full of crap and the pain in the ass who you don't owe a damn thing to, I think that's Izzy. Mm -hmm. Because like, and that, because that's been his whole thing all along was like, I don't owe her anything. I don't like her. Why am I doing this? And so I think it's Izzy. So who's who's the press? Is the press like like gossiping like to other in doctors? In the hospital, yeah. And then the coach and then is the, chief. the coach is Bailey or the chief. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah, I mean it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how Alex sees it too. You know, he's just like, look, this is where I am, and I'm loyal, basically. I'm a team player. And then Christina's next. So. This one, I think, shocked me the most. Like, the first time I watched it. I know your type. You're a surgical junkie. Yes, sir. I'm just saying, it's not going to be easy for you to be away from the OR that long. No, sir. And if you want to get back to the OR, you're going to tell me what I want to know, aren't you? Also, 100%, I'm not going to be able to, like, choke Cry. Up, as yeah, she does, but it's okay. whatever. <laughs> You're right. It's not easy for me to be away from the OR. It's not easy for me to sit in front of you, or any other authority figure for that matter, and not be able to give you the exact answer you want to hear. I'm the one with the answers. I've always been the one with the answers. But right now, sir, I don't have any. Dr. Yang. How do you keep your edge, sir? Because I watch you. And you've been doing this a long time. You're clean and you're focused. You are the job. Nothing gets to you. And the thing is, sir, 
I was like that until I got here, until I actually started doing this job, and now everything is is fuzzy. That's besides the point. No. See, sir, this is the point. Because I can't tell you. What happened in that room, I can't tell you. And before, I could have. No guilt, no loyalties, no problem. Before, before I wouldn't have even been in that room. I wouldn't have gotten involved. I would have never frozen in surgery. And I would have told him what I thought he should do. I had an edge, sir. I had an edge, and I've lost it. And I need it. I need it back. So if you could just tell me how you keep yours and how not to be affected, I know I could be a great surgeon. So if you could just give me the answers, I would really appreciate it. You're excused, Dr. Yang. But... You're excused. I'll tell you who cut the LVAD wire, sir, if you could just please... No, you won't. I don't want to know. Not from you. Yeah, I have the answers, but I can't tell them to you. I'm not going to be responsible for you becoming less human. Which... And this is, like I said before, this is the monologue that surprised me the most. Why? I don't know. I feel like the rest of them are very, like, Alex talking about sports. You're kind of like, all right, I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Izzy talks about, I'm the pretty girl, yada, yada, whatever. I do, just to interrupt Um, you a little bit, I do love how these monologues, like, the chief is, like, trying to get down to business and, like, like, you know he is getting a shitstorm from his bosses, and the interns are using this as, like, a little therapy session for themselves. They totally are. It's hilarious. She's just like, I would have told him what he wanted to know, and the chief is like, I don't care about your personal lives. Just help me. He's like, I'm so stressed out. I'm gonna get yeah. fired. But this is, like, this is so much, like, a full circle moment for to 201, when they talked about humanity and, mm-hmm. like, keeping your edge and, like, how if you're a better surgeon, you're kind of less of a human, you know? But, like, when he when she goes, you know, you've kept your edge, you are the job, that's debatable, though. I feel like perception is everything here. Like, from oh, the yeah. outside, maybe he looks like he has it together, but he doesn't. Mm-mm. And I think that's the whole point, is that nobody really has it together. Well, I think, because we get some scenes with that later where you kind of realize that, like, he doesn't have it all together. Yeah. The one in particular I'm thinking is when, like, him and Bailey are kind of talking. Mm-hmm. And I think I like that. But, like, I was not expecting her to break down like this. Yeah. I know. And and Sandra found a way to break down, but it's not, like, overdramatic. It's still very Christina. Like, it's not like I'm looking at the screen and I'm like, whoa, that's out of character. Because it wasn't. Well, and it's totally her being like I don't know it's just like a very Christina thing to be like I'm feeling emotions chief and it's not right and you need to fix me that's scary for her because she's for the first time she's like letting emotions get in the way how like not only is she talking about like like I wouldn't have gotten involved in that but then she goes I would have never frozen in surgery Mm -hmm. which is Burke and the same thing of like I would have told him what I thought he should do which is Burke her little heart is learning to love and I like how she kind of brought that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, I like... I, my favorite part of this is the that's besides the point. And she goes, no, that is the point. The point is, is that I can't tell you. You know? Because... Because I've changed so much. Because it's changed. Yeah, I have changed for these people. Which is interesting. I just thought of this. Because 
when we were talking about what they were like in high school, mm-hmm. everyone else had kind of changed a little bit, you know? Yeah. Or whatever. But you said Christina's basically the same. And now she's being like, no, I've changed. And I've always seen this show as high school. I've always seen the hospital as basically high school. Which I kind of like because, like, you know, like, she's been, like, she's been the same person her whole life. But then she met these people that changed her and had an effect on her. And you're mm-hmm. like, wow. I, well, in a way, she finally met the people that she belongs with. Her, you know, family. Oh, okay. So now we have Izzy. And I love this. She goes, I'm a pretty girl. What? And the chief goes, what? <laughs> That's how he says it. I'm not being arrogant. It's just, it's just kind of a fact. For a long time, I made a career from my looks. So I get it. I'm a pretty girl. And not in a, from a certain angle way, in an obvious way. It's the blonde thing and the big boobs thing. Big boobs are key, obvious to pretty, if you know what I'm saying. Dr. Stevens. It's how men see me. I'm not a smart girl or an interesting girl. I'm a pretty girl. And the blonde and the boobs, it confuses guys into thinking that I'm someone I'm not. And, and I'm used to that. I'm used to watching them walk away when they realize. But then Denny goes and asks me to marry him. Is that why you cut the wires? He doesn't make me feel like a pretty girl. He makes me feel like... Like me. I think he might know me. And so if I did cut the Elvad wire, and I'm not saying that I did, but if I did, then no. I don't feel guilty. And I know that I should. And I would if it were anybody else, but... I can't feel anything but happy. Oh. So, like, are they engaged then? I don't know. I can't tell yet if they're engaged. Also, is he kind of comes off as a psycho in this speech just a little bit a little bit yeah like hmm. she also basically tells him that she could be all bad yeah i know but i i do like the i i feel like a highlight of this speech is when it seems like a full circle moment from what we were talking about back in season one with hank is that like Ugh. hank the like hank and alex She's the pretty girl, you know? Yeah. And Denny was the only one so far, hint, wink, to see her as the smart girl or the interesting girl. Mm -hmm. Something besides just being the pretty girl. Yeah. See her for who she really is. And again, it's like we see this massive growth in Izzy because she's finally like, I got so used to it. This is what my life is. And then she realized... I don't have to be the pretty girl. Mm-hmm. There are guys out there that want me I'm more than that. For more than that. And great growth. And I think that that's good for her self-esteem, you know? Mm-hmm. That wasn't the deepest one. No. But if I had to... Which I think... I don't know. I feel like we get more deep, easy monologue. Not really monologue, but like we get more into like the deepness of that later. Season three. Okay, so can you do the George one? George is next. George's haircut looks so good. Really? I like it. Oh my god. Okay, because I was going to say... I think he has a little bit too much grease in his hair. It kind of looks like he's a Nazi. Like, that's. I think he has a little bit too much grease in his hair. Yeah. I don't like it. I think he looks cute. I like his season three, like later season three. When it's a little bit longer? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's still better than what he had. I mean, it looks better, but, like... It's definitely an improvement over the like, shaggy hair and then that horrible, awful haircut he gave himself. TR... Oh, my God. TR Knight actually buzzed his hair after Graze was over, and he was like, finally, and he buzz cut his hair. And 
I actually like that, I think, better than hmm. than this. Interesting. I don't know. I just, wow. <laughs> I love George because I feel like automatically when you're like the chief or like when Bailey was like, when the chief was, no, when the chief was talking to Bailey and he was like, I'm going to break them. I feel like your first thought is he's going to break George. <laughs> and he did in 201 when he was a surgical sponge. But see, people are growing. He's not as easily breakable now. Mm-hmm. Because, like, everyone else, like, Izzy's not going to break. Izzy's psychotic in that, in that speech. <laughs> Meredith just, like, doesn't give any shit. Meredith is, like, an unbreakable steel post. Like, she will not break. <laughs> she you also, break. she also again, like, 100%. Like, we've been talking about this for so long. She ever wanted to get anything out of anything that had to happen, all she has to do is, Chief, you slept with my mother. And the chief would be like, go ahead. <laughs> and he's just like, you make a good point. Now back to George. Are you going to say anything or... I'm not going to break. I'm starting to get a little freaked out, but I'm not going to break. It's not because I don't care. Because I do care what you think about me. I do care. I just can't tell you what you want to hear. Which seems to be a theme in my life right now. (laughs) Again, he's like going... He's just like, therapy session? Free therapy? And the chief is like, I don't care about your personal life. Well, I feel like George just saw this because like the chief thought that he was just like, I'm just going to stare at George. He's going to break. And George is just like, I need to talk about anything else besides what happened in this room. Oh my God, Callie told me he like. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, I have personal problems to talk about. And the chief is like, oh my God, these interns. Bailey, how are you doing this? Which just seems to be... Just because you can't say something doesn't mean you don't want to. You want to very much. You can be a per- you can be with a person and be happy with them and not love them. You can love someone and not want to be with them. You don't need to love someone to want them. But it's frustrating. You know, when your brain tells you what you want and what you actually want don't match up, it's exhausting. And... Well, it's complicated, but that's life, and life sucks. There's a callback to that one last line in season three when when he says, and life sucks, there's a callback, and I love it. I just realized it for the first time ever, and I will bring it up when they call back to it, so stick around, guys, for the pod. Yeah, I feel like the highlight, any line to highlight in that entire thing is the when your brain tells you what you want and what you actually want don't match up, it's exhausting. So what is his brain telling him he wants? I think his brain is telling him to go with Callie. Because logically, she makes sense. And logically, you're like, she likes me, she loves me. Why don't I want to be with someone who loves me? Mm-hmm. But is there any chance that, is there any chance that what he's saying is that what he actually wants is Izzy slash Meredith? I think so. Is that what that speech is implying? I think so. Because it's... And it's like, you can be ha- with a person and happy with them and not love them. Because I think he's happy with Callie, but I don't think he loves her. And then and you can love someone and not want to be with them. So does he love Meredith? I don't know. I think that, like... And you can love someone and not want to be with them. I think that was Izzy. Because he loves Izzy. Yeah. I mean, that's not a argument. There's no argument against it. He loves mm-hmm. her. You don't have to love someone to want them. That's lust, George. So he's essentially saying... I think he lusts after Meredith. No, I think he lusts after Callie. Mm. But he truly loves... Izzy slash Meredith. Izzy? 
Because I don't think it's Meredith anymore. No, I think he's gotten over Meredith. So, okay, so Sandra said that these speeches tell you how the episode's going to end. So, in the end of this episode, he kind of, he doesn't tell Callie he loves her, but he still kisses her, and that's the lust. But he does, I think he does love Izzy. I think so. I think that's why he walks off with her in the end. And now the holy grail of all speeches. And I love how she's kind of like looking off in the distance at first and just, then just kind of like looks back at him and is like, I'm about to destroy you. Yeah. She's just like, dance for me, my puppet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you got the screenshot of her looking off and that's 100% what she looks like. She's just like, how do I begin this? And then she just like looks at him and is like, ah, oh, yes. I feel like Meredith is Medusa and it's almost like you don't want to look in her eyes because she will turn you to stone. You know what I'm saying? So, why don't you be the chief? I've known you for a long time. I know your mother and father. LOL. Yeah, you do. And I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you did not cut those Elved wires. Meredith, I need you to tell me who did it. I've been going over this and over this in my head, trying to piece this together. And it was you. You were the reason my parents broke up. And it wasn't just an affair. She really loved you. It wasn't just this cheap thing where she didn't tell you she was married. It wasn't all a lie. She left her husband for you. And you stayed with your wife because it was the right thing to do. Maybe safe, but she was the right person for you to be with. And let's face it, my mother, nothing wrong with being safe. Being with the good guy, because he's good. And we are talking about forever here. You've never regretted your decision. You've never looked back right? Her face when she says, right? Like that, and you look in her eyes, like, I swear my, like, soul left my body. But I also feel the whole, like, being with a good guy because he's good, and we're talking about forever, like, you never regretted your decision. I think this is also, and like Shauna said, like, predicting the ending, is she's being like, should I be with the good guy, you know, who's safe, Finn? Mm-hmm. And then that's being like, you've never looked back, right? Well, the thing that's so fascinating about this speech is that she's she's changing point of views constantly. With every other sentence, she's changing who she's speaking about. Mm-hmm. And she's changing, like, generations. Like, it's almost like her brain is like a clusterfuck and she doesn't know how to, like, organize it. Like, th- th- read Either it. that or she's a monster and she knows exactly what she's saying. She, yes. That's probably more accurate. But, like, when she goes, it wasn't just an affair. Okay. So, she's saying that Ellis and the chief were more than just an affair to each other. It wasn't, and then, and then she goes, she really loved you. Is she talking about Ellis? Saying. I think so. Okay. It wasn't just this cheap thing where she didn't tell you she was married. Derek. Derek. But it, using she pronouns. Exactly. Because she's trying to relate it to the chief. Um, she's trying to draw the parallels herself. It wasn't all a lie. So she is still operating under the assumption that it was all a lie. With Derek. That he never felt anything for her. I think it's almost... I don't know. I feel I like... I mean, the audience knows so much more than she I does. I feel like that's what she's telling herself. To make it... Like, you know what I mean? To, like, kind of get her feelings away. Like... Because it's almost like to protect your own heart, you're telling yourself, like, he didn't care about me, it was all a lie, like, to protect yourself. And so I'm almost wondering, like, because I feel, like, 
deep down, she has to know. I don't know how she wouldn't. The next line, she left her husband for you. Alice. Well, yeah, she's saying that, like, but, like, in the... Meredith is trying to draw a parallel. So when she goes, she left her husband for you. Meredith didn't have a husband. So is Meredith basically saying, like, I put my heart out on the line for Derek? Is that what she's uh, alluding to? I mean, like, she... She put everything out for him? But then also, like, she potentially, like, put her career on the line because Bailey wasn't happy when they started dating. Neither was the chief, really. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, she kind of put almost everything on the line for him. And then she goes, but you stayed with your wife because it was the right thing to do. That's obvious. That's, you know, Derek staying with Addison out of obligation. Mm -hmm. Maybe safe, right? So that definitely was Derek's safe choice Mm -hmm. instead of going with Meredith, who he had only known for two months. Mm -hmm. But she was, and then this is where she switches, but she was the right person for you to be with. Is she saying Ellis was the right person or Adele? I don't know. That was the line that confused me as to who she was talking about. That's why I feel like Meredith's brain is so scattered in this moment that she's, like, speaking about two different she's, and she's speaking about herself at the same time, and it's just... And and then she goes, and let's face it, my mother, nothing wrong with being safe. Which, so true. So true. (laughs) Also, I feel like she's saying, let's face it, I'm so much like my mother, people have been shoving that down my throat that Derek probably sees me the exact same way that the chief saw Ellis and that she was just too much of a like shit show to try to take on like seriously yeah. her self-esteem is so low right now that she's just like mm-hmm. I I'm so messed up and I'm so like like Finn said scary and damaged that that's why Derek walked away from me I think that's what she thinks and then she shifts again, another, like, shift in her brain. She goes, being with the good guy because he's good, Finn. hmm And we are talking about forever here. What? Like, what does that line imply? Like, this is, this is not a decision that you can change easily? Well, I think it also shows the point of Alice put it all out on the line for the chief. And the chief, you know, like, didn't, like, love her back. And, like, that kind of cost Ellis, like, every, like she lost her husband because of that. Like, it wasn't just, like, something she could be like, okay, like, I'm gonna take this back. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was forever that she is now alone. I debate that the chief did love her back, but he was a coward. Well, yeah, okay. But he didn't, like, you know, be with her. Yeah. Go with her. Whatever. And then Meredith, again, kind of changes her tense, and she goes... You've never regretted your decision. You've never looked back, right? And I feel like half of that is being like, you jerk, like you never felt bad for my mom. But I feel like it's also her being like, did you ever have any yeah. regrets? Mm-hmm. Like, am I going to regret choosing Finn? And See, not that's not what I Derek? saw. That's not what I saw. What I saw, what I got from that line was she is drawing the parallels that are painfully obvious to her between the chief and Derek. And she's using the chief as a stand-in Because she really wants to ask Derek, do you you regret regret this? Or do you think you ever will regret this? Have you even thought about me since you chose Addison? And because the chief is this represented, like, you know, this representation of Derek, she's using the chief to 
confront Derek because she can't confront Derek. It's interesting because there's so many different things because what I got it was because she was just talking about like being with the good guy you've never regretted that like did he ever regret choosing the better person well that's what i'm i just said that well yeah no but i'm thinking like did the chief regret choosing the safer person like will meredith regret choosing the safer Mm. finn like that's what i've thought about it yeah so really it's just did you ever regret giving up the love of your life basically Mm -hmm. or was ellis ever really the love of your life Mm mm-hmm because Meredith doesn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Damn. Like, think about how long we just talked about that speech. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I think now that we've... Obviously, like, they left Meredith for last real reason. Oh, my God. Because we got, we got so much out of that. I mean, Shonda was right. We learned more about the characters in these speeches than we've learned in the entire show, I debatably. Almost, I almost think the one that we, like, that arguably, like, left the most that we didn't really learn was Izzy's. Yeah. Which is interesting, but she kind of gets her moment later. It's coming later. Yeah. <laughs> I was say. Which is what, which I feel like was kind of hinting at that because we we're kind of like, what? Like, because you got this huge reveal from like Meredith and like, did you ever regret like all that stuff? Even you get a huge thing from George with the like, mm-hmm. your heart wanting something. As somebody on a recap is heavy handed foreshadowing for what's going to happen in season three. Mm-hmm. When you're going through the first time, you probably missed it, but it's mm-hmm. so heavy handed to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Yeah. Okay, so then the next scene after that amazing seven minutes and 28 seconds of monologues is a Meredith and Derek scene, and Meredith, like, walks into this room. I think it's the same room where the chief and Derek were uh, last up. Ep- mm, Me? La- yeah, last episode. And... Derek is basically encased in his man pain. Like, he's Han fucking Solo. And, you know... In Carbonite? Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Wow. He really is. And it's just, like... Meredith is trying to be so, like, professional. Like, Finn says we need to make a decision about Doc. Which is a valid... Like, they need to mm-hmm. make a decision. Good for Finn. Like, God, Derek, go smash your face through a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he's so mean. Like, and she's like, can we please, like, do this without arguing? Fine. God. Like. And he goes, like, whatever you want to do. And I I do like this line. What if there's a chance he could get better? Because he's the relationship. He's not going to get better. You know that. Well, Finn thing thinks we should do it today, then. Yeah, and then um, this that- is extended. So I'll guess I'll go over there, be there, yeah. is extended. And Derek goes, what time? Meredith, are you coming? He's my dog. And that's kind of, like, the whole extended part. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. I feel like this was one of the extended parts that I'm like, I could, I can see how they cu- could cut that mm-hmm. out. Like. Yeah. You know? Like, some of the other ones, I was like, oh, my God, how did they, how could they cut this out? But this, I'm like, all right. Yeah. It doesn't, like, super, super add a lot. Yeah. So then we have Izzy running into Denny's room. This and is Bailey is there. And she's basically, like, you know get away if the chief even sees you here which it's kind of like bailey protecting her child i like it Mm -hmm. and denny hold on it's her turn and then she goes yes my answer is yes and this line is the cutest jeffrey dean morgan line ever to exist he goes oh now see you're gonna make my heart stop beating and it's brand new and i'm like Like, that's one of those lines where you just, like, you can't help but smile. And, I like, know. 
like even just reading it i'm like the shine in that man's eyes is like he's the only one that can even get close to touching what patrick dempsey can do with his eyes and (laughs) bailey i will call security on you but this is important because okay bailey says visiting hours isn't for another hour and that's like important if we're thinking about the timeline of this episode because i believe that this scene implies that the rest of the episode takes place over one to two hours. Yeah. I she agree. goes downhill I think fast. Closer to the two hour mark. Yeah, maybe like two and a half. Well, even just, I think, two hours, because like later Izzy implies that like it took her longer mm-hmm. to get back. Like she's like, I, you know, like, I could have been here earlier or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I feel like it might be closer to like maybe two hours ish. But still, like, we're maybe halfway through the episode right now and you're like, holy crap, the shit that goes down. Yeah, I know. Like, you thought shit went down two episodes ago in the last, like, whatever. Mm. No. The, I mean, this line kind of implies that visiting hours starts maybe at seven. Uh, just based on what I know about later in the episode. Mm-hmm. And that Izzy was late to getting to him. So this scene that we just talked about probably took place at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Make, make sense. Oh my god. Think about everything that goes down between now and the end of this episode. <laughs> this night for this hospital, good god. <laughs> like, when Meredith goes home, or when Derek goes home and writes in his feelings journal, it it's gonna be loaded. When, when Meredith goes home and writes in her feelings journal. I'm gonna be honest. I would kill to read Derek's feelings journal. Me too. They'd be like, why is this journal so wet? And he's like, it's soaked in my man pain. Um, so then we get this awkward little scene between Christina and Burke. Where he basically implies that he doesn't think that she is strong enough to stand by him through this, uh, surgery. Which, granted, from what we've kind of seen from her before in this episode, I can kind of see where he got that impression. Mm -hmm. Because she's been really kind of running away a lot. Yeah. And avoiding him. And so, like, I feel like he's like, okay, well, if this is, like, freaking you out, like... But she did notice that he has a tremor in his hand. And I, th- I believe she's the only one that's witnessed it so far. Yes. Get, that was a short earlier Because scene. she asked, are you going to tell Shepard about... And he goes, not yet. Yeah. I like the way he delivered that. He goes, not yet. Like that. And I'm like, hmm. Interesting choice. He really, like, enunciates on some of his words. Yeah, and weird words, too. Not yet. It's, like, not all of them, but it's interesting. Yeah. Where's he from? Is that, like, an act? Like, is that, like, a... Isaiah Washington? Thing? I yeah. don't know where. I don't you know, know what I mean? Like, is that like, just like a regional thing? Of I don't know. And now I feel like this is like, this next scene is kind of a transition scene. Like, I can almost split this episode into two different parts. Like, the beginning and then everything that happens once they, like, show up at the prom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in the daylight hours and then in the nighttime hours. I feel like you could split this episode in half. And they tell almost, like, two different stories. It's kind of interesting. I can see that. So this scene is we're at Dr. Fendandriff's office and and, um, they're basically here to put down Doc. So this is the quintessential example of this metaphor Mm -hmm. because we have Addison, Derek, Finn, and Meredith all in this room standing over Meredith and Derek's relationship. And we have Finn... Being the one who's saying, you need to sign these forms. Mm -hmm. Addison 
is the one that actually physically signs the forms. Yep. And Finn is the one that injects the poison. Think about that for a second. Yeah, and, like, when you think about it, like, Finn was the last straw, almost. He was the the last thing and the most serious thing that got Derek to kind of realize that pissed Derek off so much. Addison was more of a, you know, just signing a piece of paper, you know, but Finn was the true like cause. Derek couldn't sign the divorce papers. Yeah. Fascinating. When Derek brought his divorce papers on a date. Yeah. Mm. Which helpful life tip. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And Meredith, I don't know what this says like that. She's like, what do we do with his body? I don't know if this is part of the metaphor or something. What do you do with the carcass of our relationship? <laughs> well, because well, because Derek goes, uh, there's a clearing by the trailer. And then Meredith says, overlooking the water. You know, we can bury him there. And so I feel like that might be a callback to 108 when they had that, that connection when he was like, and I live in that trailer. Remember when they had that really cute speech and she held out her hand and was like adorbs? I think maybe Derek's shit trailer, the elevator, and, like, a ferry boats are all kind of, like, symbols in the Meredith and Derek relationship. I can see it. Symbolic uh, locations. I think it's also supposed to be, like, this connection because both him and her are still, like, treasuring this, like, mm-hmm. what used to be their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, and it, like, still means something. To, like, I think that's supposed to be, like... And the fact that when he goes, like, there's this clearing, and, like, it's Meredith who's like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about, and it's not Addison. because yeah, we're on the same page here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious, because the way that these two are looking at each other is kind of like, they're, God, they're so in love with each other. And Addison's just like, that sounds nice. And, you know, like, and it's almost like, Addison, get out of this Meredith and Derek scene. You know, Addison's just like, I'm still here, guys. (laughs) Yeah, she's third wheeling and she's married to him, but she is the third wheel. It's hilarious. And then, like, literally, Doc dies while they're both, while they're essentially, like, holding hands. It's so cute. And, yeah, and then Dr. Finn Dandruff says, I'm sorry for your loss. And Meredith, yeah, you know, the thing is, he wasn't really my dog for that long. He's more Derek's dog. Meredith, he was a good dog. He was. They're so cute. So, like, I I do. I see, like, how there seems to be all hope is lost for Meredith and Derek in this moment. And then it's almost like a new story begins. You know, like, okay, so Izzy just accepted the proposal from Denny. Meredith and Derek seem to be finally over. Like, 100% completely over. Yeah. It seems to be like there is a end right here. And then the prom begins you know it seems the prom is almost like its own entity exactly the amount of stuff that happens at the prom is insane this this is basically what our prom was like right anyway then we get a complete 180 and get another classic song from dressy bessie the og of Grey's anatomy (laughs) called side two by dressy bessie yeah nothing brings me out of a sad scene like a bop from dressy bessie so then shonda has this to say I've wanted this prom since the beginning of the season. We'd plan- we'd been planning for it and obsessing about it. These interns and their lives remind me so much of high school in all the best ways. I hope you've noticed that. Oh, yeah. I hope you got the breakfast club of it all when they gave their speeches to the chief. Because I'm an 80s girl and I need my prom. I got the breakfast yeah. club vibe. Yeah. Especially when they were talking about, like, 
like when you you gave like the rundown about who they all were in mm-hmm. high school it was like i got that well okay so who's the so who's the bad boy is that supposed to be alex because there's the jock and the bad boy i think the bad boy is supposed to be meredith i think so too i think so too <laughs> meredith is supposed to be what was that guy's name i can't even remember the criminal was john bender bender the criminal meredith got it john bender the princess is izzy that was claire okay when you get to the other ones okay <laughs> the athlete that's alex alex so that was right. andrew the brain christina and then the last is one, george the freak the basket case <laughs> see that's why i was wondering because maybe izzy's the basket case because remember when i said she she came off as kind of a psycho in that chief speech hmm, maybe because i thought i thought george was 100 percent the nerd being the dungeons and dragons okay and christina then would be the basket case or the princess i guess izzy has to be the princess it has to be izzy or george has to be the princess i think <laughs> izzy the prince well like you know like none of the other ones even have close personalities to that but is so we're down to christina and george between the basket case and the, the nerd brain. yeah but see, that nerd guy was not assertive. You know, like, he wasn't Christina. So then George. I could see how Christina can be a bad... Like, she's struggling with her... I mean, I could, I could see Christina being the basket case a little bit. Like, trying to find herself kind mm. of in this episode. I haven't seen The Breakfast Club in a couple years, and I feel like if I hadn't... If I saw it again, I might be able to give you a better... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, Meredith being John Bender, so true. Wait, so Meredith ended up kissing then izzy <laughs> right didn't bender get with the princess and then she gave him like the earring i think I saw like that. and then like the basket case ended up with oh with the jock the basket case ended up with the jock <laughs> christina and alex, christina and alex. <laughs> yeah and And Izzy's like, here's my earring, Meredith. (laughs) Meredith is like, like, don't you? So we've spent way too much time on this. Let's continue. (laughs) Let's get back to the actual show that we're talking about. So it's Bailey and Christina. Super brief scene. Bailey's like... Which also, like, what the hell is Bailey wearing around her neck? Oh, thank you. Okay, so we need to talk about all their outfits. Like, we finally get outfits that aren't scrubs. Christina's dress is really pretty. Christina's dress is nice. black. black. With, like, deep V. I deep like it. V. Yeah, she looks great it's in Bailey looks like, is nice, but, like, what the hell is around her neck? Like, it's like a scarfy thing? I don't know what it is. It looks like... Like a scarf that somebody she's could backwards. kill you, yeah, with it. Yeah. Holy crap! I just zoomed in on this picture, and the cards in the background have horses on them. Oh my god! The horses continue, man. Good god! They literally do. I can't quite read what it says though. It says something, something tw- two thousand six. It must be the name of the high school. That must be their their mascot is the horses. Yeah, okay, but still, like, the horse returns. Yeah. Nay. Where's Mary? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Bailey kind of looks like she's wearing maybe like a leopard tiger print, but it's like blue and white. I thought it was flowers. Do you like it? Like floweries? I don't... It's okay. I'm not a big fan of that one. Continuing... It's not my favorite, but it's also not the worst thing we've seen on this show, so you know. No. Also, sadly, I have to say it's not the worst outfit we've seen tonight yet. 
Anyway, so then we cut over to Derek and Dr. Findandruff. Yeah. Who both look very snazzy. So, Derek looks like he's just wearing a normal suit. But Dr. Findandruff looks like he is still that kid from high school that wishes he could go back to the prom. Because he's got, like, that... Like, the ruffled shirt Yeah, the ruffled shirt with the bow tie. And he's very much the prom king right now. Mm-hmm. And this is great. He's just like, hey... Because, you know, like a normal person, he's like, I don't know anybody at this thing, you know? I'm going to go talk- guy whose dog I just killed. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go talk to the only person I know, and Derek's like, hey. Derek's like, get the hell away from yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. He's just like, I would like to see your head on a stake. And then they have this huge moment when Meredith walks in, looking gorgeous as ever. Oh my god. I think Ellen might look the best out of anybody, and which is intentional. I mean, obviously. You're supposed to make your main character look gorgeous. I'd argue Izzy looks pretty good, too, but we haven't gotten to her. Yeah, but that's for a different reason. Anyway, so I just love that moment where they both look up and they both are staring at her. There's a great shot of both of their faces. Also, like, did Christina and Meredith plan that their dresses were going to be very similar? Uh, probably not. Did they, they go shopping together? I mean, when you think about how quickly they had to turn around and get a prom dress, like, what, a day? That was my question. Because, and then Izzy later is like, I was deciding what dress to wear. And I'm like, how many long, like, prom dresses does a person just have in their wardrobe? Well, Izzy, you know, probably 27. But, but like, still, like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, but anyway, Meredith looks great. So she's wearing this, like, long black dress that's, like, pretty simple up top, long v-neck, deep cut. I don't know what it is when, like, the waistline is super high, like, right beneath your boobs or whatever. We're not, we're not fashion people. empire waist. Sure. And she's got, like, I like the thick, like, sleeveless. Yeah, I like that. And with some sparkles there at the bottom, she's looking fantastic. And, and both of them realize this. Both of them realize it, and Derek is just staring, like, in it begins here and it does not end because mm-hmm. i think derek is like damn this girl is gorgeous and she watches as finn greets her and super jealous and then, like addison like very like casually walks up after that like obviously like meredith has this huge entrance and then addison's just like oh hey guys exactly and here i wanted to ask you this do you think the show on purpose kate walsh can't look bad in anything but the red dress with her red hair. I'm trying to find a picture of what really she Really like. doesn't work. And I have to wonder if they did that. If they intentionally made Meredith look gorgeous and intentionally Where tried to make... Walsh? I just... I wonder. I think it was because they're trying to make Meredith look so desirable and make it be like... I mean, that's why they gave her that, that entrance. Yeah, exactly. Everything's on purpose, guys. Like, you have to, like, dive into this. Everything is on purpose. And they start talking about this, and, like, Addison went to prom with somebody named Skippy Gold. Wow. Which, like, I'm sorry, but the names? Like, the main character names are fine, but all the, like, supporting character names that they have come up with, especially this season, like, can we just- Nate Sims. (laughs) Like- they, we had Sav and Weiss earlier in this Barf. season. You know, now we have Skippy Gold. We had Eugene Foote. Who is coming up with these names? Mauer. <laughs> like, what are these names? Tell him what you ate. And then Dare goes, hmm, I hated Star Wars. How dare you? And Asin goes, thank God, this is terrible. It's bad. And that's an extended part where they're talking about the uh, the punch. 
And Derek the whole time is just staring at Meredith. And it's like... So obviously, too. It's so obvious, but like, I think every single Meredith and Derek shipper, their heart is beating because they know. They're looking at the clock and they're like, we've got 15 minutes left in this episode. Shit is about to go (laughs) down. What are these two monsters about to do? Yeah, here we go. They burned down the hospital. So, Colors by Amos Lee starts playing. And there's this little scene between the chief and Camille and... I, the only part I really want to read is when Camille goes, he loves me. I've been loved. Mm-hmm. And that's something everybody should have at least once in their life. Later. Well, Shonda says that that's a very important line that she put in there. So then we get the... <sighs> yeah. Callie Chate Torres. Is that her new name? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> then she, she has this line. I'm wearing a dress. I have on heels. I shaved my legs. I'm going to the prom. Her hair... Like, obviously, she spent way too much time shaving her legs because her hair is atrocious. Her hair looks like an electrified mop. <laughs> like, it looks like a lightning storm. Oh my god, it mop. does. I, wow. It's monstrous. Like, I know we talk about it far too much, but this one. It if, looks like she took wow. her normal, like, greased hair and was like, you know what I should do for this prom for a new look? I should rub a balloon on it, make it staticky. And then add more grease. Yeah, like, that's what she did. Like, the one pic, the one screenshot you got of her, where she's, like, yelling at George, she looks like a crazed woman. Yeah, she looks like she just broke out of the mental asylum. Yeah. And not in a charming Meredith way. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, like, George, like, he can't win. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Callie is so needy. Like, at this point, I'm like, George, what does it say about you that you're staying with this chick? Like, the you said you didn't want to go. And she goes, no, I said I didn't want to go with you. And I'm like, fuck you, Callie. Which, like, but also, like, she has a point. But anyway, I didn't want to go with you. I didn't say I wasn't going. Like, that's what I would say. But she does kind of bring up a good point here. She goes, I said I love you. I said it. I said it out loud to your face. And ever since... I've never said that to a guy before, never. And now I'm just this idiot who says I love you and gets avoided. Which, she has a point. George has been avoiding her like the plague. (laughs) Which, like, granted was because, you know, he had to help bring Danny back to life after he murdered him. But... (laughs) But then George makes a good point because she goes, are you going to say it back? And he goes, no. And she goes, I'm humiliated. I'm like, good for you. But, you know, and George is just like, look, if I say it back right now... You'll know I'm just saying it because you said it to me. And he goes, when I say I love you, I want to mean it. You just have to give me some time to mean it. And I'm like, that, Which that's Which I like true. that. Yeah. I would, I would feel very validated by that, I think. You know? Mm-hmm. Especially because they haven't been dating for that long. Yeah. It hasn't really been that long. Well, and realistically, I feel like it took until almost last episode for George to fully get over Meredith... Yeah, I know. I mean, he's still working through some stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I think he should have said that sooner to Callie because he did kind of like, she was like, I love you. And then he was like, ooh, gotta go. <laughs> but keep in mind that everything that happened since she said I love you, it's been like maybe a day. Yeah. Like, because remember, it was the previous evening yeah. that she said that to him. Yeah. So, but you know. Anyway. And she goes, I hate that I'm so into you, which makes three of us. Mm-hmm. And so can you read this? Yeah, so then, um, this is from the Grey Matter blog. Callie, strange and odd and dark as she is, is his chance. His chance to be happy again. Give the woman the benefit of the doubt. She's flawed and she pees in front of other people. And she likes to crack bones. But guys, 
She loves George. She loves George. That recommends her to the highest place of cool girl in my book, which like, no, because she's the only one who sees George for George. Debatable. Determined not to be that girl she was in high school. Which, like, who was she in high school? Because she's always like, like, I was this person in high school. Like, but who were you? Where were you in the breakfast club? (laughs) She wasn't there. You want to know why? Because she's not intern OTP. When Shonda wrote, because she's the only one who sees George for George. That's not true. No. I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think Izzy does. I think Meredith is starting to. I think ever since Meredith and George had their thing in... 218 she has i think that completely opened her eyes Mm -hmm. and i think that since that episode she has seen george for george Mm -hmm. yeah i i I fight against that i feel like the problem with callie like you said i get why she was added you know and like i understand kind of like what her character is like supposed to do with like the storyline and all that stuff but i feel like there is a point when like the writers directors whatever were like, hey, we should make this person a main character. And then tried to, like, kind of, like, shove her in. And it's like, she's not, though. Mm-hmm. And I feel like right now I'm more accepting of it because I get what the show's trying to do with her. I think it's later that I'm like, why is she still, like, why are they focusing on her and, like, yeah. all this stuff? Like, that's when I feel like I have a problem with it. What I have a problem with now is that she's just really whiny and it annoys me. Even, like, in that thing when Shonda was explaining Callie, she calls her, like, strange and odd. And I feel like, to an extent, I feel like that's what the show was going for, was someone who is completely different from the main three other, you know, the other three, like, women that we have. And someone who is kind of weird. Because I feel like we're not really supposed to be like, yay, Callie, let's let her, like, how we were kind of with Addison Mm -hmm. at first. But I think the problem is, is that they're, they're, like... She's this weird person, but, like, you're also supposed to feel bad for her. And it's like, but I don't. And but she she uses that as a crutch. Yes. She's like, I'm so weird and people bully me. You're right. We do. It's because like, we hate you. Yeah, exactly. Because Whereas, you- like, Addison was like, yes, I am Satan. Hello. Yeah, you have to embrace it, you know? Like, I feel like Callie just lacks basic confidence. And that annoys me. Here we go, guys. From this to the end. Last push. Destination we have 40 pages left. <laughs> Destination Vertical by Masha Curella. Wow. Which again, like Masha. The names <laughs> Dressy Bessie. Oof. Yeah. So we're back at the prom. Derek is dancing with Addison like watching Meredith and it is like I can't believe I didn't notice it until this time, but he's literally like 5 feet from Meredith. And he's just, like, staring at her. And I'm imagining that, like, all night, like, Addison and Derek started on the other side of the dance floor. And he's just been, like, migrating closer and closer to Meredith until he's, like, literally three feet from her face. They it's, like, were, hey, what's like, up? awkwardly close. Like, how does no one else notice this? I know. It's so Derek, funny. this is weird behavior. This is almost as bad as you almost running her over in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Fendandriff. He's, like, trying to flirt with Meredith. Whatever. It's cute. I think it works, yeah. And then Meredith goes, well, if you keep it up, you might get lucky. L-O-L. And she goes, you've been a very patient man. I appreciate that. You've been a very good boy. (laughs) Which then, like, they're, like, talking like this, and then he's just like, oh, yeah, Liz was my wife. And you're like, what? Instant mood killer, yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm like? I don't know. I feel like he just kind of brings this up out of nowhere. Well, he brings it up because 
he goes, you know, looking at you, I have all kinds of plans, which is cute in a way. And he, which, But, like, when he first says it, I admit, like, the first time I watched it, and he was like, Liz, with my wife? And I'm like, what? And then he, like, goes on, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, at first when he starts, like, talking, you're like, what are you doing, boy? Like, what are you doing? Like, and then uh... he explains it, and you're like, oh, okay. You totally could have started that a little bit better, though. <laughs> and he goes, don't freak out. And Meredith in a freaked out voice says, I'm not. And I don't, I, I think she's freaking out a little bit. A little bit. If we know Meredith the way she's she... I think she's, like, okay with it until the moment when she, like, looks up, kind of, or, like, looks over and sees Derek, like, staring at her. And then that's, like, they have, like, this whole, like, moment of them staring at each other, which you're, like... Well, it's always that... It, it might be symbolic. It might be this thing where, like, Derek is always in the back of her mind, you know? He will always, like, haunt her, almost like a ghost, you know? <laughs> because then Meredith is smiling when she first hugs Finn. She sees Derek, and they have this, like, super intense, like, eye contact, which my heart is, like, beating fast when I see this. I'm like, Damn. I think my heart, like, exploded. They have so much chemistry. This is another example where they, like, they're like, hey, Ellen, um, Patrick, here's what we want you to do for this scene. Um, look at each other. And they're like, got it. We got this. And then they look at each other and everything sets on fire. Yes. This is, like, one of those things where, like, Denny, his power is in, like, how he talks and, like, mm-hmm. all that stuff. The two of them, their chem, like, and same with, like, like, Izzy and Denny is all, like, what they say to each other and their cute little, like, yeah meredith and derek is like the stairs and mm-hmm. theirs is like like i swoon for like izzy and jenny my heart explodes like yeah like, i am this dead is, this is hot this. <laughs> this is hot their guys. looks you're like like God. i feel like izzy and denny are cute but meredith and derek are just like whew. raw passion yeah raw like <laughs> burning passion and you know that meredith and derek are such narcissists that like in their head this is all in slow motion like it is where they're just like staring at each other and swaying back and forth and then i would love it for this for the show to like cut over to like the nerds standing in the corner with no one to dance with and then they're just like looking around in like normal motion and then they cut back over and the song starts playing again and then there's like this slow motion dance scene can you also imagine like and everyone is like these two suck it's like a little bit like faster and then both meredith and derek are like now we're in slow-mo like staring at each other and they both like slow down their dancing and finn and addison are like what are you guys doing (laughs) exactly (laughs) these narcissists did you just go into (laughs) slow-mo and like everyone else on the dance floor is just like looking back and forth because they're standing five feet from each other and they're like these two assholes these two right here Oh, yeah, which God. then Meredith, you know, runs away. Which immediately after, Derek's like, ooh, gotta go. Yeah, they're like, like slow motion sex eyes. And they both say, be right back, okay? And guys, here we go. Here we go. My heart is like increasing. <laughs> so Meredith is like walking down the hall. And as soon as Derek says Meredith, she starts running away from him. Literally like, I need to escape you. She goes into this empty exam room and Derek's following her. And, and she okay. tells him to leave me alone. Yeah, leave me alone. Right. We're okay. gonna do this dialogue. Yeah. Who do you um, wanna be? Do you think you can handle Derek? I will do my best. So Meredith in the back of the exam room and she goes, Just leave me alone. I just wanna make sure you're alright. No, I'm not alright, okay? Are you satisfied? I'm not alright. Because you have a wife and you call me a whore and our dog died, and now you're looking at me. Stop looking at me. I am not looking at you. I am not 
looking at you. You are looking at me, and you watch me, and Finn has plans, and I like Finn. He's perfect for me, and I'm really trying here to be happy, and I can't breathe. I can't breathe with you looking at me like that, so just stop. Do you think I want to look at you? That I wouldn't rather be looking at my wife? I'm married. I have responsibilities. She, she doesn't drive me crazy. She doesn't make it impossible for me to feel normal. She doesn't make me sick to my stomach thinking about my veterinarian touching her with his hands. Oh man, I would give anything not to be looking at you. And it's like, Derek, analyze what you just said. It's one of those things, the only two people that can't put the pieces together are Meredith and Derek. Like, think about what you just said. Mm -hmm. She doesn't drive you crazy. She doesn't make, you know, you sick to your stomach thinking about another man with her. Why? Derek, because you're not in love with her. You're in love with Meredith. Why do you think it makes you sick to your stomach? Why do you think she drives you crazy? Huh? Ugh. Like, <laughs> and then she like turns to face him and they kiss and your like entire body just I like to that. that. That like two second pause where they're just staring at each other and you're like, what is going to happen? And he can't like, it's like he can't hold back anymore. He grabs her and kisses her. And I think that every Marindare shipper stands up and just cheers dies a second <laughs> and this like them kissing at the end of 217 would have destroyed this scene for me i think i, I wouldn't agree. have held as much important you know like as much emotion or anything i agree just like i just saw that screenshot of him kissing her and i'm like damn like the last time they kissed was in 203 that was like baby meredith meredith has grown up a lot since then so then we get graced by kate havnevik Alex and Izzy meet on the staircase. Alex is wearing basically just a black suit as well. And this is the first time we get to see Izzy's outfit. She looks so cute. She looks like a princess. Like, seriously. She's got a bright pink dress, but it's not like, you know, neon pink or anything. It's it's a good pink. Again, who just has that in their closet? Anyway. <laughs> Izzy Stevens. <laughs> anyway. And these kind of, like, silvery strapless, like, heels. I don't know how to describe that. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. And then she just goes, yeah, I'm going to see Denny. Whatever. Yeah. So Denny's in, we cut to Denny in his bed, smiling. And guys, remember that Denny is a representation of Addison and Derek's marriage. So then we cut back to Meredith and Derek in the exam room. And they're slow motion banging. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) They're slow motion having sex right now. This is hot, man. And there's an extended version of this that that i'm like oh my god like they're doing this thing where they're like exchanging souls like with like open mouth like kissing exchanging souls like there's so much like open mouth that they're like dementors like just swapping (laughs) souls with each other and like they're making out like they're the they know that they're the hottest thing that's ever happened at this hospital like you know those people where they're just like yeah like that's how they're making out right now Anywho. Oh, man. There's a shot of her, of him taking her panties off. Which, actually, if you watch an interview with Ellen, she's, Ellen DeGeneres asks Ellen Pompeo how she did that scene. And she goes, well, actually, I was wearing two pairs of panties. (laughs) So Patrick Dempsey took off the first pair, and then the other pair was still on. I was like, that's actually pretty, like... That's fantastic. That's pretty smart. Anyway. So we quickly cut back to Denny's room, and he, like, grips his chest. There's a lot of close cuts of uh, Meredith and Derek just, like, 
fully going in- at it. Yeah, f- like, and they look like like they're so in love with each other. Oh, yeah, and we get a shot of Izzy in the elevator. I like how the flat line on the monitor continued into the the tile line on the outside of the elevator. Did you ever notice that? They do like a fade mm-hmm. shot, and it's Denny's flat line continues and fades into the tile. Oh, the, like, metal bar or whatever? No, the tile on the outside of the elevator. You can't see it in the shot. Oh, There's tile on the outside of the elevator. And it just fades into that tile. And I was like, wow, like, that's great editing. And she's just, like, looks so hopeful and cute in this elevator. So then we cut back over to Meredith and Derek, who, again... After commercial, actually. Where they just finished having sex. (laughs) And they're looking... they, They have, like, a little moment of, like, staring at each other of, like... They're like, let's go again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like half that, but then half of like, what did we just do? Yeah, and Derek keeps just like, all he says is, what does this mean? And she goes, I have panties on black. Do you see them? Meredith, what does this mean? Help me look for them and fix your tie. So Meredith wants to keep this a secret, I assume. I I think Meredith just like doesn't know what to say. And she's just like, I need to get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Meredith, what does this mean? He's basically asking this for the audience because we're all like, does this mean yeah we're all just standing here like and then paging dr cockblock cali chate torres walks into like this door and finds them like this and she goes the nurse told me i have to come it's izzy and i love this whereas like meredith starts like coming with her no panties on by the way (laughs) she finishes the rest of this episode with no panties on (laughs) And, um... Completely commando. Yeah. Meredith's gone commando. (laughs) And... keep that in mind. All of the other lines she says in the rest of this episode, she's commando. Yeah. Keep that in mind, guys. She's not wearing underwear. Anyway. Anyway, so then Callie's like, wait, let me fix your dress. And it's just kind of like this almost pathetic scene where she's like, I have to let Callie fix my dress. You know what I mean? But it's also, like, kind of cute where Callie's like, I'll try to look out for you. Yeah. And then she gives this, like, nasty look to Derek, which... (sighs) I don't know. I don't mind it. Because I feel like Christina would have given him a weird look, too, if it was, like, her that had caught them. I mean, it's not the problem. It's not that the look isn't deserved. I just feel like Callie is, like, always trying to insert herself into situations that she doesn't know all the details. And... So you wouldn't be, like... And, like, suddenly she's on Meredith's side, even though she hated her, like, an episode ago. You know, I'm just kind of, like, if I was in this situation... I would try to be, to have discretion for both people. Because that's what you do when you're being respectful. I think my face would be more of like, oh, okay, I just walked around something, like, we need to go, like... I would help Meredith, and then I wouldn't even look at Derek, you know what I mean? But that's just Or if I did, it would be more like a look of, like, surprise of, like, I did not expect to walk in to, like, find this. I would apologize, too. I'd be like, I'm sorry. Like, 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 obviously something is going on that doesn't involve you, Callie, but she can't comprehend that because everything involves her in her world. So then we get this short little scene between Bailey and the chief. Yeah, so the chief says that he did his internship, his residency, and then he came back the minute his fellowship was done. He was told that he would be chief while he was standing in that very OR. He goes, I spent my entire career in this hospital my whole life. And this is how we find out that Denny died. Because Bailey just goes, sir, Denny Duquette died at 7.42 this evening. Which is so effective. Because as soon as Bailey says that, you're like, whoa, like, what? You know, like, how how just calm it is instead of, like, is he being there? Well, that's, I'm glad that they didn't do 
some overdramatic shot of like is like of how she found out kind yeah. of thing. Mhm. Because I feel like I don't know, like that would have taken me out of it. Just the weight of this. And it is. It's like this moment where like the chief is like thinking about other stuff and then Bailey just says that and then he just goes, "Damn it." Mhm. And then cuz like already in your mind you're like, "Oh my god, Izzy." Yeah. Cuz like you just like you had this thing of like Callie came in and was like, "It's Izzy." And you're like, "What happened with Izzy?" And then like Bailey explains it and you're like, Oh my god. Mm-hmm. And I, like, the choice that he dies off screen is very effective. I like it. Very effective. So, this is from Shonda. In The Chief, all of his secrets finally spread out for everyone to see. Can do nothing but leave the room. The history of Ellis and Richard, it is long. It is deep. There is way more. But you gotta wait. Watch for the clues. Okay. Which is crazy. You're like, there's more? <laughs> oh, yeah. And there is. There is. And so we cut over to George, Meredith, Christina, and Callie running up to Denny's room. Olivia's outside the room. And I like what kind of what Olivia was said, like, I didn't think you guys would want me to go to the chief. And I was like, Olivia. Even Olivia gets intern OTP, Callie. (laughs) Take notes, Callie. Yeah. And Olivia, like, I I love her in this scene. I like that they chose for Olivia to deliver that. Yeah. Because it's almost like she's just like, all that trivial stuff that we had going on before, like, I'm going to look out for Izzy now, you know? She, like, gets over it. She takes the high road. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. And this is kind of an interesting moment that Shonda talks about, because they all walk in the room, and Mm -hmm. Izzy's, you know, lying on the bed with Denny. And um, She's lying on the left side this time, guys. On Denny's left side. And this is kind of when you realize that everyone else in the room is wearing black. Yeah. Which doesn't, like, you don't really pick it up, but I like it's subtle. And, like, what the Grey Matter blog says, the prom clothes are actually mourning clothes, funeral clothes. Suddenly you see that Meredith and George and Christina and Callie and Alex are all dressed not for a prom, but for a funeral. Everyone in dark colors, everyone dressed somberly, as if they were in mourning. Only Izzy is in happy pink. Only Izzy looks like she didn't know this was coming. And I like that subtle choice. Guys, this primetime television show with, you know, a limited budget is doing stuff like this. Like, this is so much more detailed than most shows will ever even consider. And I I just can't tell you how important that is. I also like is. how very symbolically, too, I just noticed this in the one screenshot you took. The three interns stepped forward mm-hmm. towards Izzy and Callie is, like, noticeably, like, in the back. Yeah, she's not- she's almost out the door. Oh, yeah. And she's noticeably further back than all the interns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which, again, is another choice because she's not intern OTP. And then Izzy, like, is laying with him and almost, like, robotic. Like, she hasn't said anything. She's not crying, which is something you would expect from Izzy. There's, like, hardly any emotion. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I think it was a stroke. He was prone to blood clots. A clot could have formed on his sutures and traveled to his brain. It only takes a second. Which is almost perfectly tragically ironic you know where Mm -hmm. it's like he survived all the crap that he went through to die of a blood clot Mm -hmm. yeah and she like goes on is like complimenting dr han yeah which i i actually liked how they included that line han did a beautiful job yeah and here's where you get that like why i think it was closer to two hours because she says i changed my dress three times i wanted to look nice i would have been here sooner but i couldn't figure out which dress to wear which is why i think she like (sighs) When I heard that line the first time, that was like a nail in the coffin. 
Because you know at this point, especially when she's like, I don't know why I didn't think of blood clots. She's blaming herself. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Meredith's saying, like, they need to move him. And Izzy's like, take him to the morgue. And she just, like, is like, I want to be alone with any. And then this. But, okay, let's pause right before this Alex part. Okay. First time going through this, were you shocked that Denny died? Like, yes and no. Exactly. You know, like, I feel like when it actually happened, it was like, wow. Like, what's gonna, what's gonna be the fallout? Like, wow. But I also... I don't like, see a way, way we... that they keep him alive. Exactly. And that's, and I think that's more of the, like, and no part, because at first, like, obviously when this happens, you're like, oh my god, Denny's dead. Mm-hmm. But then when you actually, like, kind of, like, when you stop for a second and think about it, you're like, how would this have gone on if he had survived? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, actually take a step back and think, like, what would Izzy's role be in season three? If she's with Denny. Yeah, and, like, would they have lasted outside of the hospital? And like, would that have ruined the Denny character? Because mm-hmm. if they, like, inevitably, you can't have a happy couple on screen. Because then, you know, they won't be on screen. If you if you want your character to have screen time, there has to be drama. Mm-hmm. And so, I argue that if they brought Denny into season three and they had them happy, it would have almost ruined yeah. the love. Well, 100%, I think when they brought Denny in, he was going to die. Like, he had, he Well, that was the plan from the beginning. I feel like Denny had to die Mm -hmm. for a lot of things. I mean, like, we get a lot of stuff just at the end of this episode, but even, like, the changes that Izzy goes through because of this Mm -hmm. was so necessary. Yeah, for her character as a whole, yes. So, okay, so then Alex walks in and he goes, well, you hear his voice first. You don't actually see him. He goes, Izzy, that's not Denny. And at first you're like, God, Alex, stop being a jackass. Like, you really came in to do this. And then... And he goes, Is. It's not Denny. The minute his heart stopped beating, he stopped being Denny. Now I know you love him, but he also loved you. And a guy that loves you like that, he doesn't want to see you do this to yourself. Because it's not Denny. Not anymore. And that, I think, is the moment when, like, I just, I want to cry. I want to curl up in a ball and cry. Yeah. Because, like, Alex, this person who has hated her, for so much of this, I think, he, like, for most of this past season, has not liked her mm-hmm. and been mad at her. And hated Denny. Oh, yeah. Like, that he's the one that's able to, like, because the rest of them are kind of, like, still, like, they're closer than, like, Callie is, but they're still not, like, is he, like, come on, like, we, like comforting her. Like, he's really the only one that, like, comes up and is, like, right next to her. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. And then... Well, and when he says a guy that loves you like that, he's implying that he loves her like that. I think so. I mean, that's the implication of that line. Or I think it's more of, like, he could have liked her, like, loved her like that if she had given him the chance to. Yeah. Or whatever. Or anybody that loves you like this doesn't want to see you do this to yourself. None of the interns want to see yeah. her do this to herself. Oh, yeah. So then, chasing cars by Snow Patrol. Which, honestly, could they have picked a better song? No. No. I mean, no. The first couple notes of that song start playing, and I swear to God, that's where I start crying every time. So, is he still, like, robotic almost? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, inhuman. Yeah, a little Yeah, a little bit. Is saying, like, an hour ago he was proposing, and now, now he's going to the morgue. And then this is where she breaks. She goes, isn't that ridiculous? And she breaks, and she's- she goes, isn't that the most ridiculous piece of crap you've ever heard? When that dam bursts, it bursts. Oh my god. And Catherine Heigl, this is the scene that made her career. This is her career right here. Oh my god. Everything she's done since hasn't matched up to it, and everything she did before 
couldn't hold a torch to this it. This is amazing. Ugh. And then Alex just picks her up and just, like, takes her off to the side and, like, is holding her mm-hmm. while she's crying. And this is kind of, like, the song, like, kind of, like, swells up a little yeah. bit. And, like, oh, my gosh. Actually, they interviewed Katherine Heigl about how she prepared for this scene once, and she said it was surprising when she read it in the... It was daunting when she read it in the, you know, table read, but she knew that it was, like, it's like an actor's dream to be able to do something like this, you know? Mm -hmm. So she spent a lot of time, like, kind of by herself in the corner listening to sad music to get ready for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And she goes, Jeffrey was a good scene partner for it, and she just... Yeah. She nailed it. She she nailed it. Mm-hmm. That's for freaking sure. Yeah. yeah. So can you read this? Yeah. So then Shonda says, point is, Danny was always going to die. His character was created to die. I knew it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan knew it. People die. Suddenly, without warning. When you least expect it, people die. And it's horrible and painful and utterly shocking, but it happens. And I wanted to present that on the show. The good thing is what Camille said to Richard. I've been loved. I've been loved. That's something everyone should feel once in their life. Denny has been loved, and he dies knowing he was loved, and knowing that he was loved back. I love that. Yeah, that makes this a little bit of a silver lining, where it's like, oh my god, he died alone. But he didn't, you know? He died in love. Which is also when you think back, because they did the two shots of Denny in that kind of, like, squick... They did one of him, sh- like, smiling because he was like, Izzy's coming back to me. I'm getting married. Mm-hmm. And then it was the scene of him, like, dying. Yeah. But he was happy until and that's And that's... Died. And I think that's what it's supposed to show is, like, yeah, he died alone, but, like, he died being loved. And, like, and that that's... death is always hardest on the living. What about me? Mm-hmm. That moment when she said, what about me? It's like, now you see what happens. Yeah. And season three will dive into that. And I love that the next scene that they completely cut to is Christine and Burke. Christina just, like, wordlessly just walks in and just holds Burke's hand. And that's it. And she's it's she's beautiful. She's silently saying, it's like... It's super awkward how they're holding hands, but it's also beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's super awkward, and they hold on it for a really long time, and you're like, wow, you guys are both not moving right now or saying anything, well, but it's, just, it's like, also weird, beautiful. because, like, he's, like, relaxing his hand, and she, like, is holding it, like... With two hands? Like, fully extended, like, from her body. Yeah. <laughs> I know. They're like, this looks good for blocking, guys. But it's great. And it's, like... It's funny, because... Christina has been avoiding Burke because she doesn't want to end up like Izzy. And now she's running towards Burke because she doesn't want to end up like Izzy. Mm-hmm. Isn't, that, isn't that just like beautiful? Yeah. Poetic? Well, that's what I was going to say. I, th- I feel like her watching Izzy's pain is this realization of like she doesn't, she doesn't want to be alone. And I don't think she wants Burke to be alone either. Mm-hmm. And I think this is her kind of realizing, like, that, that that she's not the kind of person to run away from an insane situation, like mm-hmm. she said. Here we go. This is how Shonda kind of breaks it down for us. If you look at where they begin at the beginning of season two and how far they've come, you just hate Christina. You hate her when she walks away from Burke after seeing that he now has a hand tremor. And then you see her give that speech to the chief. And you see the struggle. Her struggle to suppress all of her humanity in pursuit of perfection. Well said. And in my mind, what we realize is that she is not cold. She is terrified. Scared that if she lets go of... If she lets her emotions out, they will overtake her and she will be hurt. And you can't hate her. Because it's so incredibly human and understandable. 
There's that moment when Burke tells Christina that he won't bear a grudge, and it's so sad because he means it. He doesn't believe that she has it in her to stay by his side. And then Denny dies, and Christina watches Izzy grieving and realizes that she has no other option but to go to Burke and cover his hand with her own, because you can lose someone if you're not careful. Wow. Yeah. Next scene is Addison and Dr. Fendandriff just hanging outside. This is basically the start of the whole end scene because it's kind of yeah. all like one. Yeah. Whatever. And it's in this like elevator lobby area. And Addison goes, where have you been? And Derek's like, uh, well, I was with, um. And, <laughs> and the, the chief comes up at the perfect time to interrupt. Yeah. He goes, Shepard. He goes, yep. Yes. <laughs> he's like, thank God. What do you need? <laughs> and then he's like, have you seen Bailey's interns? And she's like, and he's like, oh shit. <laughs> And the first one he says to is gray, and he's like, no, no. He's like, nope, no, haven't seen her. How's my hair? <laughs> did, I fix my my hair? T- did I fix my tie well? No, no. And then, like, they're all like that, and then Bailey just goes, chief. And it, like, turns over. Is he George Alex Meredith? No, Christina. Well, because cause she's yeah, with Burke. Because she's, with Burke. she's still awkwardly holding Burke's Yeah, probably also, still. Also, where the hell did Callie go? Who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she was in the room, and then, like, they were just like, we need to go awkwardly, like, walk in a line by the chief. Bye, Callie. Mm-hmm. And then I love this, because they completely walk by the chief and they're like they're like we're just gonna be like whatever like and then izzy just kind of stops and turns back mm-hmm. and delivers this line i don't know if i can do this justice <laughs> well i just like the it was me like when she says it like that because she kind of in a way almost says it like she smiles a little bit yeah where it's like this sick like twisted smile almost and she goes i cut his elvad wire i did it and no one helped me and now i thought i was a surgeon but I can't. I thought I was a surgeon, but I'm not. So I quit. And you're like, ugh. And at the beginning of 225, remember she says, this section of the bar is for surgeons. And then two episodes later, she goes, I'm not a surgeon. You know? After all this. And then I love, because Bailey kind of is like, Izzy. Like, calling her back. And I love that Bailey, like, even though, like, obviously Bailey was mad because she did this and everything. But I like how Bailey is still kind of being, like, the mom and, like, I feel like this also, like, she doesn't say this, but I feel like she still has, like, confidence in Izzy and is, like, you can, like you would be a great surgeon, like, mm-hmm. I believe in you kind of thing, like... Well, I, I mean, know. they're all just watching Izzy set herself on fire, and that's hard to watch, you know? Like, just the guilt and the pain, and, you know, it's like, oh my Let's, god. And I lo- like, all of them, like, staring at her, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, this is what Shonda has to say. In the last scene, Mark Tinker shot this gorgeous shot of izzy walking down the stairs alex and george behind her i love that shot izzy has this fallen queen thing going Mm -hmm. on that i just adore i love that george and alex kind of walk her out like they're her bodyguards yeah because i love that i mean the implications for season three i love it it's it's perfect that it was those two and so they all walk away except for meredith dr fendandriff and Derek. and Dr. Fendandriff is still completely, like, oblivious to everything that's happening. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think he thought? He's just like, what's an Elvet wire? What's going on? <laughs> He's probably like, what the hell is He's happening? probably like, I walked into this and I don't think I should be here. He's like, who are half these people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he goes, come on, I'll drive you home. And Meredith doesn't budge. And that's when you're like, uh-oh. And then they have, like, this, you know, she's just, like, looking at Derek. And he goes, Meredith? And then Finn's like, wait, what's happening? Because, like, he looks over at Derek and he's like, oh, shit. Because I'm sorry, but Finn's kind of been a little oblivious to everything that's happening. (laughs) And then he's just like, Meredith? Like that. And And it's like this moment where Meredith is like, 
I'm not done with Derek. I've never been done with Derek. I will never be done with Derek. And I want the answer mm-hmm. to the question what this means. And I want to know. Yeah. And it just completely ends with all of them just looking at each other. It, super, no super zoomed in on Meredith's face. And Meredith ends the season in her favorite place, the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then that... And that's the end of the season. You're like, ugh. And it's great because it like it wasn't this huge cliffhanger. Like yes. the big cliffhanger yes. would have been if they ended the season at the end of two twenty five. Yep. And a lot of shows would do that now. And I like how they kind of moved it on. And I also like the fact that like, you know, all of this stuff happened with Izzy and like obviously like Izzy like was kind of like a main focus of like what's been going on recently. But they still end the season with Meredith. Because she's the freaking main character. And I love that. And I like that. Because even though they're like, yes, we have no idea. And, like, obviously I feel like mostly, like, when you're watching this episode, you're like, how is this going to recover it? And then mm-hmm. they just have this short little thing. And your mind immediately is like, forget about Izzy. What is Meredith going to do? Exactly. Because <laughs> Meredith is the main character. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So can you read this orange thing? Yeah. So then Shonda goes. I do feel like we've tried to make the relationship complex. Derek's flawed, and sometimes you hate him. Meredith's flawed, and sometimes you hate her. Never. And you can't help but root for Addison to be happy. True. And you like Finn because he births ponies and has plans. Questionable. I like him because he has plans. The birthing yeah. ponies part is questionable. <laughs> and clearly, poor Doc was a metaphor for the Marindare relationship. And when Doc's put down, it feels like a horrible, painful, but necessary ending. But still, when Derek grabs Meredith and kisses her, it's such a relief. You want them to figure this thing out. But Mare and Dare have this all-consuming love. And I'm sorry, I did a little dance of joy when he kissed her. We all did. Yeah, we all did. But, th- I mean, that's the thing. They have... It's it's almost like the show is implying that, like, this love, if you separate them, causes more pain to more people. You know what I mean? They are mm-hmm. so in love with each other and it's so consuming and so powerful that it's like they need to be together because if they're not then it causes pain for not only them to but it causes pain for addison and there's just like this implication for george it caused pain for mark this season it caused pain for dr finn dandruff you know it's like everything they touch is destroyed because they're so in love with each other you know mm-hmm. i love how meredith ends the season with her like i don't care face like, look at her face. She's just like, I'm bored. <laughs> it's like, it's like half I don't care, but then also half like eyes burning. Yeah, well, it's half like, oh my god, like I'm almost exhausted from this, you know? Mm-hmm. From my life. So this episode dates the first episode not to have a voiceover. We kind of said that. The episode was also ranked number 63 on TV Guide's top 100 episodes of all time. Should have been higher. It really should have. I don't know what's behind. I looked it, up. I looked up the list, and there are some episodes that I was like, "Really, seriously, seriously count one." Mm-hmm. Patient rankings. I mean, the same. How like Camille is third because she, her only point was to bring the problem to the hospital, and then Burke was second. And I feel like it's because a lot of what happened with Burke kind of was about 226 not so much 227 i mean he was barely in this episode mm-hmm. and for setting up season three so the whole burke thing with it's the like tremor still coming. yeah it's still coming he's like the new denny <laughs> and then one denny 
I don't even, we don't need to explain it. Make one change. What? <laughs> Only to have the, don't you forget about me music video at the end. Like a, like a bonus webisode of everyone no, singing. No. It like cuts to like Meredith's face and then it goes to black and then it's just like, don't you. Uh, so yeah, next week we're doing our season two overview Ooh. podcast special where we talk about season two as a whole. We do a bunch of top 10 lists and we answer questions from listeners and a bunch of character analyses so stick around for that that should be a doozy it'll probably be super long oh yeah because the prophecy has come to pass now twice we have gone over two hours twice now including this one so if you want to get in touch with us or send us in questions you can on twitter at gray's uncut our gmail for longer questions or comments is gray's anatomy uncut at gmail.com we're on iTunes, so it would be great if you would rate and review us. And if you want to leave a specific comment or question on a specific episode, you can go to our website, which is grayzanatomyuncut.home.blog. Thank you so much for sticking around. Becca, look me in the eye. We're done with season two. That is That, that is took a, so freaking long. That is a wrap of season two of Grey's Anatomy. I think it's been over a year. The longest season of Grey's Anatomy. It's behind took us, us. Over a year. Yeah. But I mean, I don't want to sacrifice the quality of the content for efficiency. Fair. Season two's a wrap, guys. That's it. Have a good one. Oh, bye. <laughs>